welcome to the Entitled Gamer. I'm your host, Matchor, and with me as always is my best friends and virtual life companion, Big Trail. Hey everybody. Sure, you didn't tell me you were going to say any of that. I know, but I'm feeling emotional because Trev, guess what it's the one year anniversary of? The presidency? Oh, God. Why did you do that to me? <laughs> Ugh. No, happy things. Happy things. It's the one-year anniversary of The Entitled Gamer. It's our anniversary show, and it's a big one. And because we are not just a duo, although we started as a duo. Well, technically, we started as a trio. Then we went then down Ian, to a duo. and yeah. yeah, we went down to a duo because Ian had that pot brownie. Cookie. If you don't know the story. Get the story cookie. straight, sure. Because it was a cookie that was baked in his own home. I hope the cops are listening. Uh, and he couldn't tell from the smell of a baking pot cookie. And if you've ever had a baking pot cookie or brownie around you, they have quite the odor. So this is hard to believe. Do they actually smell hey. like weed? Yeah. Okay. I've, hey, I've, I've hey, never short. One, this so. when you put this out in the public, like maybe don't say incriminating things. Just throwing um, that it's out okay. There. Hey, Paul, I haven't introduced you yet, so shut the fuck up. What good is a lawyer if you just Welcome, listeners. sink yourself this show is explicit. <laughs> and not don't listen to your lawyer? Quiet, quiet, lawyer. And now we have my favorite person. He's a lawyer. His name is Paul Grody, and he's our other co-host. Hi, Paul. Hello, sure. Like I said, now, can I talk now? Is that allowed? <laughs> I guess, if you really have to. Yeah, I liked it better when we were a duo. That's what I was trying to say. This has been one... It was six great months, and then Paul came along and mucked it all up. Ugh. I, I didn't mean it. to interrupt your virtual romance with Big Trav. Uh, romance. It's okay. It's uh, I'm, I'm ready to sell out now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this week, we have a very exciting episode for you guys. This is our top 10 favorite games of 2017. Each of us has compiled our own top 10 games list. So this, to be clear, this isn't the best games of the year necessarily. This isn't one composite list. These are each of our top 10 lists of favorites. Well, so mine are the best games just... of the year, objectively. Right, right. Of course, Trav is very entitled <laughs> about this particular opinion. However, you know, for... Uh, just general discussion purposes, we do want to say there are some games we didn't get to play, right, Trav? There were some games that you were, like, on your list that you didn't get to play. Yeah, I actually did play a lot more than I was expecting to, but I still managed to forget a few things. Uh, what's on What's on your games you didn't get to play list? Um, let's see. I have uh, uh, Edith Finch. Um, oh, yeah, right. Which is one that I, I, I really wanted to get to. I actually almost got to it last night. I was like, I should just buy it. It's three hours long. I'll just play <laughs> it real quick. It's pretty short, but, yeah. But I, I just I couldn't do it. Um, I didn't get uh, very far in Torment, Tides of Numenera. I played like uh, 30 minutes of that. Um, right. I, I got so... I didn't get far enough to find out what the fuck that even is. Is that a game? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiritual sequel to Planescape Torment, which is a... CRPG from that does not help me at all. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's one of it's supposed to be one of the one of the most like well written best stories in in games that came out like in the I think two thousand or something like that. And um, Trav has read the Witcher books, so he knows well written, especially right. when it comes. Well, I didn't to I didn't say that. I said that's that's the don't, don't pin that on me. Right, I didn't say that. What? That's what everyone else says. I don't know. I didn't finish it. <laughs> all right, hurry up, Trav. Uh, what else you got? Uh, 
PUBG, I obviously didn't play. I think Paul's the only one here that played that one. Yeah. Uh, right. Golf Story, another one that I'm sure Paul would have wish I had played. And then Hollow Knight is the other one. Right. But right. I, already, I already gave you a couple reasons why I didn't play that off mic short. That's so. true. That's true. And I just disavowed all of them immediately. <laughs> all right, Paul, what games uh, you didn't get to finish this year? Didn't you finish, I should say? Um. So Danganronpa Volume 3. Um, oh. Although I did play volumes one and two, so it's not that like should I, been right. been on mine too. I also didn't finish that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I haven't touched Assassin's Creed Origins, um, Hellblade, uh, Senua, Sinua. I don't know. I haven't even played it. They say it both Sinui ways in sacrifice. the game, right? And this game <laughs> called Hollow Knigget. Um, I haven't played. Get out of here, you lousy Knigget's! Right, um, but sure, I haven't played it because I looked at it and it's coming out on Switch, so I'm gonna get it on Switch. Ah, uh, I can't out. wait. All right, I didn't play Wolfenstein 2, which Trav bought me. Uh, I haven't finished the first one or uh, The Old Blood. I didn't play Zodiac Age, with which Paul got me. I'm not even sure if that that could be eligible, because we had like specific rules about what makes it on the list or not. We decided Wait, we no had to rules? games that... Yeah, there were like games that... like Ocarina of Time we... is number one on Paul's list. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it had to come out this year, Paul. God damn it. You didn't send um, them to me in writing, because I would have had comments uh... and revisions. Right, but I mean, we talked about, like, Paul both of us loved Stardew Valley, and we said, well, it did Trap. come out previously, so. Why is he spoiling our list? That's yeah. not supposed to be on yeah. your list, Paul, that's why he's saying it. Help me help you guys. Focus. <laughs> Focus. I didn't play Divinity Original Sin 1 or 2. Too boring, right, Trav? I didn't play Shadow of War. I didn't play South Park, although I tried it last night, and for some reason it gave me motion sickness. And I just That's started weird. Horizon Zero Dawn, and uh, I restarted it because I was like three months, uh, no, I was like, I don't know, a third of the way through it, and I'm like, I'll pick it up, even though I started it in like February or whenever it came out, and I started it up again, and I was mid-battle and had no idea yeah, what that's was always going tough. on. All right. uh, so I was just like, all right, I'll start it over, and I was like immediately in love with it again, and I was like, oh, why didn't I pay attention to this? Oh, because a bunch of games came out at the same time. Um, but that being said... Uh, we are going to go into our top 10 lists now. Now, we're going to try to do this spoiler-free, but if there is a specific part where we want to talk spoilers, we will give you a spoiler warning. And speaking of spoilers, uh, if you're interested in hearing our spoiler segment later in the episode, we will be talking about The Last Jedi, but that is at the very, very tail end of the episode. So be prepared for that as well it's our big anniversary top 10 star wars spectacular oh yeah here we go off the rails but you know it's time to raise ourselves all right so let's start things off with paul all right paul what is your game number 10 on your list uh game number 10 uh is a game i don't think will make either of your list could be wrong destiny 2 what you i mean cool choice yeah thanks for the enthusiasm uh, <laughs> the music you... was really good yeah the music was good the farm's cool if you I... can see my face right now which you can't i'm wincing in pain <laughs> i can't tell if that's a smile or a wince even though i can't see it but um... so is this the only because you couldn't put halo 5 on this or whatever halo reach you know i don't like halo 5 halo reach <laughs> come on um, no. All right, all right. So, so, so what's your justification for this terrible choice, Paul? All right, the music's great. Um, True. I think the shooting and gameplay just feels good, which goes True. a long way in the shooter. Um, okay. And 
you know, I was thinking back when I was looking at this list, uh, thinking back over the year, I'm like, what games did I have the most fun playing? And I really had a lot of fun with Destiny 2 um, for a few weeks. Um, and then um, I really liked playing the multiplayer, the campaign multiplayer, played that with my brother. Um, I thought it was satisfying, had some cool moments. I mean, it's not mind-blowing story writing or anything like that, but it's fun. Um, there's enough post-game content there for a little while. And um, I know a lot of people are disappointed with the post-game. I just stopped playing. Um, so I'm, I, I'm still pretty positive. <laughs> Life hack. You can stop playing. <laughs> right. Pro tip. Um, and, you know, uh, we played some Crucible, had some fun with it. And, you know, sure. I had a good time playing with it. Uh, you know, I don't ex- anticipate going back. But, no, I, I think it, it, it was a good game. It was fun to play. Um, did you ever and, do the raid, Paul? Uh, I, I did yeah, the raid a few times. Yeah, we talked about that, times. right? Uh, I, I okay. never got very far because you have to have six people and it takes forever right forever what does that stand lot yeah um all right well i you know i i did enjoy destiny 2 more than destiny 1 which is to say i enjoyed it more than stabbing myself in the throat um so let's move on to trav what is your number 10 game uh my number 10 is cuphead what What? it's Um. that good yeah, Cuphead's very good. Um, I'm not quite done with it. I just recently started playing it. Um, I think I'm about 80% done. I'm almost to the last world. Um, Disqualified. But uh, it, it's really good. Like, the, the graphics and the music and everything are great, but the, the, the gameplay and seeing the bosses transform were the, the main things that I got really into. You know, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's the kind of game that, like, more so than most games that, that claim to be this, like, where if you just keep trying the boss over and over again even if you don't realize it or think about it, like you will just gradually start to get getting further in each fight because right. you're just memorizing everything. So um, when, does it have I, a soulsy pattern recognition to it? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it does. Um, it's not quite the same as souls. It's more just like knowing which pattern comes Like it, I think I've, I beat one boss on my first try and that's cause it was insanely easy. Um, but other than that, most bosses take me 30 minutes, 45 minutes of playing to get through them because I just run through them like 30 times until... And if you're, if you're angry at Trav for having beaten a, a boss in Cuphead in his first try, it's okay because Trav loves difficult games. Let's make that it very was, clear. It was he really likes easy. difficult games. He likes playing normal games on difficult for some crazy reason. And he's, he's a tough guy. He's a good gamer when it comes to this kind of stuff so it's no surprise so, you like this game trav i mean most of the boss fights i i have not played enough into it to have a solid opinion i think i maybe beat the very first world but mm-hmm. you know the boss fights seemed fair like they were hard but i i wasn't like um i didn't feel like all of a sudden they it would be totally unfair and i i didn't get induced into uh throwing a controller uh, yeah, like that's, that. that's 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 it. And you also didn't get induced into labor, which was a fear for most of the game because you were playing it during your fourth or fifth trimester, and that's that's pretty late because trimesters mean three. That that's so. uh that's one thing that but, but like looking at uh, gameplay videos before I ever played it, I was like, oh, this doesn't exactly look like it would be the most fun thing, just running the same boss over and over and over again. Um, but like when you're actually in it and like focused and like learning all the patterns and everything, you don't like I don't really mind restarting most of the time. Like a lot of games, when I die once or twice, I'm like, okay, I don't, I'll take a break. With this, it's right. just like, it's super easy. The fights are like at most two and a half minutes long, and that's just because I'm because I take right. them really slowly. Um, so just so hitting retries, really you know, it's, it's like no, I'm playing on Xbox. Okay, oh, interesting. 
But I mean, it's a side scroller in the style. I mean, it's like a beautifully animated Mickey Mouse cartoon from the 1930s. But it does have that Mega Man 2 factor of being like very difficult and with bosses you gotta pattern out, mm. right? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to my number 10 game, which is a little game known as Thimbleweed Park. That's... Now, I don't think either of you guys played this one, did you? No, I, I, no. I, I remember you talking about it a little bit, but I'm kind of surprised that it's on your list. Oh, yeah. It made, it made a definite impact on me in terms of like the quirky, interesting indies, and I do have a, a taste for those. You'll see some others on my list. Uh, but that being said, um, I love this game. Um, it's basically, for those not in the know, um, I don't know how old you are, listener, but back in my day, we used to play a game called The Secret of Monkey Island, or Maniac Mansion, and the two developers of these games basically came together, and uh, they made this game called Thimbleweed Park, which looks like an old Lucasfilm adventure game, where you like walk around, solve puzzles, and pick up items, and the dialogue is very funny. Um, this game sort of stars a, an FBI duo, who are sort of like Mulder and Scully, the area's kind of Twin Peaksy. And uh, it's got a bunch of, there's like a clown who's kind of like Krusty the Clown who swears all the time. And uh, you get to play as that character. You get to play as a female game developer because this is a progressive game. And uh, it's just really funny. And it only, the only bad part about it is it doesn't completely stick the landing. In turn, it, it sets up all this great stuff like it's going somewhere. And it's sort of like the ending just turns out to be a big a Mel Brooks style joke. Mm. It's not really a spoiler. It's more of just a, a forewarning. Don't expect big things because it builds and builds and it's sort of like, <clears throat> but you know, it's more like a whoopee cushion going off than a genuine fart in your face. It's more like, aha, I see what you're doing there. But I feel like if they ever made a sequel or another game. Uh, they have the full template. Like these games can still work really well. It's available on switch and steam. Uh, I really love Thimbleweed park. All right, so let's go into uh, our number nines. So, uh, Paul, what is your number nine? Uh, number nine, I have an indie game here. Um, it's a little game called Golf Story, which is... Wow, really? Uh, yeah. That, ho- that, like, number nine, I was expecting it to be higher than that. Oh, really? Yeah. Looks like our, our personal bingo sheets will have to need some adjustment here. Right. Um, Right, I, I really like this game. It it's a classic take on you know your traditional golf three button click to golf, but um, and I think they just did really fun things with the story and the game has just a right amount of charm. Maybe it's the Australian phrases and dial uh, manners. <laughs> There's that one in the beginning of the game sucked in. Right, <laughs> right. Keep saying over and over, and I'm like, what? Is right. this game perverted? Oh, it just means. Well, uh, you're laughing at someone's misfortune. And, it's like the Australian version of Schadenfreude. Right, and I really liked um, most of the side quests involve like just hitting the golf ball in random places at people and/or objects, and then you get to like the um, 2D. There's a very like high-strung old golf club, and then they're like, "You may not know, but that's actually considered impolite." And I'm just like, <laughs> "Yeah." Um, so you know, it it wasn't a groundbreaking but i just thought it was really well executed um it had a i thought the art style fit the game and then the the quality very well and i just did you ever play those old uh mario golf games by any chance because that's what it reminded me um i actually went and looked for my copy of the game boy advance mario golf which i am sure convinced i have somewhere buried in my parents (laughs) house unless my mom threw that away 
um, which she would never, ever do to me. Um, I'm, like, flashing back to the, like, poltergeist house where they're digging it up. Right. It's, like, near an Indian burial ground. Paul's is just, like, a bunch of old E.T. cartridges, like that landfill in uh, Arizona. Well, that, that's my house. It's the E.T. It's the, it's the <laughs> landfill. No. Uh, but, no, it's it, I had a, I had a blast. Um, it's a nice Yeah, I mean, hours. everything about that game seems charming. Like, even just looking at screenshots, yeah. I was like, man, this looks, you know... Is that a Switch exclusive, by the way? It is. It was. It's one of the Nindies, I believe. Oh, so is it so, supposed to just always be on only Switch? I, I believe that is the case. I haven't heard any other. I mean, Come on, Paul. It's your favorite game. Give us all the facts. We didn't Nintendo. ask you to look at I mean... before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. So if you're looking for a fun game to play on Switch, I also recommend that one. It's it's pretty fun. I'm not all the way through it, but I've enjoyed what I've played so far. It's very much like the Game Boy Color Mario Golf, which I very much loved uh, as a kid. Um, all right, Trav, your number nine. Uh, number nine is Horizon Zero Dawn. Woo! Um, all right, so I approve of this choice. Uh, I just started playing it again. So, Trav, don't spoil the story right. for poor little old me, mm. but tell us generally, what is it that spoke to you about this game? So this game is actually a little bit of a disappointment to me because I expected it to be higher before it ever came out. I was expecting it to be like, you know, one of the like top five games of the year. And it a seems certified like certified blowjob machine. Some people come to Trav's home, <laughs> bend on its knee and fillet him gently, but subtly. I what guess is... those are the same thing. No, um, <laughs> the, but I, I did end up enjoying it. I have like it's, it's, a, it's a kind of game that for me has small problems that add up. Into, what, are, what are some of your small problems? This it? is this is a really small uh, thing. This is one but of it's, your favorite. It's games, one of my biggest way. problems with the game. It's 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 that you you don't have a button to switch the camera shoulder left or right. Oh. I hate that so much because I don't like the camera being on the right. I remember you saying that. Um, yeah, but like the the, See, the thing I'd that never made up for that. it. Oh really? It, it like <laughs> no. it, it makes me feel super weird when my character is on the like right side of the screen. And the, anyway, are you left eye um, dominant? I don't know. Are you Left Eye Lopez? Right. She died in like Tahiti um, or something. But but anyway, like you know, but like I said, just small problems that that like you know contribute to it not being higher on my list. But it's still great. Like the story is really good, um, especially in the last like act, like the last like five or six hours la, 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 when it picks listening. up. I'm not gonna say what it is. <laughs> I know. I'm just um, playing. The I wish like the combat was a bit. I don't know. Like I don't know what my problem is with the combat. Like I can't explain it, but it just doesn't feel good to me. Can um, I wager a guess? Time? Yeah, go ahead. I feel like it's not weighty enough. It's so fluid and fast-paced that the moves don't feel like they are heavy enough. It doesn't feel like you have much momentum. Or yeah, I, I, I think that's part of it. I also think that it, I would like it more if it was easier to spot the individual pieces on the on the uh, dinosaurs. You know, to like mm. the stuff you can knock off because like you can see them, but without like using your focus to highlight them right away, it's kind of hard to just like look at a dinosaur and like just see everything on it Um, i will say one of the things that i still am ruffles my feathers starting it again is that uh you can't like go very fast while you're doing your focus Mm. mode thing it's just like they're like no we've designed a pretty game we don't want yeah exactly they don't want you through this purple lens right um aloy still looks weird as a kid I you, you <laughs> starting over reminded me of that. She still looks weird as a kid, um, but yeah, it's a great game. The, the story makes weird. up for a lot of my problems with it, um, and I'm super looking forward to the sequel. As long as I hope they can come up with another like cool hook for it, and you know, like just learning just, the history of that world was really interesting. 
I mean, I don't have uh, the 4K or the PlayStation Pro, but I mean, that game is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Just absolutely beautiful. Um, all right. It's my number nine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. All right. So my number nine is What Remains of Edith Finch. Interesting. All right. Um, all right. So, so uh, Paul, you played this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, Trav, you did not. No, I didn't get to it, unfortunately. Right. So. Right, I mean... What's it, your question, Paul? I can feel it on the tip of your lips. It's just hovering above mine. Oh my god, are we about to lips? kiss? Is this happening? Th- that, no. What What are you talking oh. about? Um, so, <laughs> Sorry. I just could use a little attention. You, it's Christmas time. I mean, so I thought this, this was a really good game, um, and it it's only about three hours-ish to play, sure, is that about right? Sure. Um, yeah. And it's kind three of a... Four. It's a very... I mean, it's a narrative-based game, but did you find it disjointed at all no to me it felt coherent insofar if if you know nothing about what remains of edith finch and and to be honest i didn't really uh until maybe a month and a half ago when it popped up for the game awards nominees and i was like huh what's that um it's basically a very short narrative game that like allows you to inhabit this girl who is returning home and and either learning or revisiting the stories of her uh, <laughs> now deceased family members. <laughs> um, and so that's the basic setup. And it's also in the Pacific Northwest. Both my games <laughs> that I've said so far, Pacific Northwest, everyone loves it. Um, so uh, the game, each of the stories has a different style. Like one of them's done in a graphic novel style. Um and uh, there are a couple other interesting styles that I don't want to ruin for you, but I really want to talk about, but I won't. Uh, but I didn't find it disjointed because it felt like, it kind of reminded me of WarioWare insofar as they were like micro games. They weren't like full mini games that right. were like coherent. They weren't even like Lucio Ball, but they were like micro games that had like a through line. And I think the overall arc of the story and how there's one key moment that involves fish that I think Paul will know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, and I felt like the emotional impact of that particular moment um, was something I had not experienced in a game yet right. before. And because of that, it really shot up my list, even though uh, it's a pretty... I, I don't really think it's a formulaic tale. It's just like gameplay-wise, it's not stuff that necessarily hasn't been done before. It's just done... It's just a lot of fairly interesting ideas back to back right like there's a lot of variety so, and weirdness not a lot of depth maybe but i i really really enjoy i think it. did you think i'm sorry paul go ahead uh, yeah i think two things that struck out to me um you know uh some of the warrior wear is probably a good example um some of the games and stuff in there i was a little less engaged with but sure the, sure. Uh, the overall narrative structure i thought was really fantastic and i thought oh god yeah and the writing on that um just the, the things the characters observing and the events that happened, I just thought was really good. So I, I see. And the I, house itself. The I house mean, is like, super the way cool. It was designed yeah. and all the details and like the bird cages and all like the, the holes and stuff. It's like a real, I mean like the first part of the game is you like arriving and looking up at the house and you're like, well, that's not a real thing. And then you like literally go through every room of that place. You're like this place, it feels like, um, the cabin in uh, Gravity Falls, uh, which might not, might might fall on deaf ears for you guys, but 
to me that's like a place where it's like i've spent so much time over the course of that series in this location i feel like i know it and by the end of youth finch i really feel like i understand this place i understand this family i understand their themes um yeah it just worked for me on a story level uh the gameplay didn't really enter into it this is just like i it's one of those games that went on my favorites list as soon as i realized it resonated or resonated with me and stuck with me right. for the next couple days did you play unfinished swan unfinished swan i did indeed okay. okay and that's by the same people correct right i i um, that's and, that one seemed really cool too i just didn't again i just didn't have a chance to get to that one i really like that one it was to me that one was almost all gameplay in mm-hmm. one hook and this one is like a bunch of more shallow but uh it's like gameplay that serves to push the story right it, it, it's it serves almost no other purpose yeah i mean it, it sounds super interesting to me like more so than unfinished one just because like it sounds like some of the stories are really outlandish and kind of crazy and interesting yes yeah and beyond that if you're a person who is afraid of games because you think they're all too difficult you can handle this one right i mean it might get you emotionally but um it's also in terms of games with emotional impact it also isn't it's like <laughs> it's hard but fair like there are rough emotional turns but it's not um brutal or exploitative with your emotions right it was anyway. I, I i almost felt like i just played a movie um, exactly uh, when i did it um and it it has that feeling right all right well that's that let's uh move on to number eight all right, so Paul, what is your number eight game? Uh, number eight for me is SteamWorld Dig Two. Ooh, nice! Uh, That's also so, on my list. Okay, great. Well, uh, so this is a game that made a huge impact on you guys enough so that you kept gushing about it. So I went back and tried SteamWorld Dig One because I already owned it, right. and I was like, "Well, I guess." Did you I ever get, get through this. it? Oh, number one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I beat it. I really enjoyed it. I got, I would like hated it for like an hour, and then I was like begrudgingly liking it for the next hour, and then I was like in love with it by the end of it. Um, three so that's stages. a fun one. So, so uh, yeah, the three stages of grief uh, regarding Steam World grief. All right, so tell us, tell us, Paul, what what uh, makes this game one of your favorites? You know, this I just think it has a really good core gameplay loop um it's a metroidvania style game um but music to my ears right um which is you know been popular throughout the years um but the the idea of digging and i just feel like moving throughout the world and exploring it um was rewarding and then always feeling like oh i found more minerals and then you be your bag would be filled so correct me if I'm wrong. This is not procedurally generated. The first one was like you're a robot, correct? You're visiting like your uncle's old mine or something to right. uncover the mystery of what happened to him, and like each each of the levels, it was like Spelunky, another underground game. It was like I mean, it's sort of like a cross between Dig Dug and uh, uh, Minecraft a little bit, um, and it's a 2D actioner adventure type game. But in this one. Uh, the levels don't randomly generate. They've got set things, and so it's more like collect this item to access this area, kind of like a big sprawling map. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It, there's there's a big, huge map. You can kind of explore it. Um, you're somewhat limited by movement abilities, but, um, you know, um, you really kind of need to think strategically about how you're digging if you want to try and get to certain mines or minerals um, to pick them up or think there's a certain area all that and i just i just thought it was really well done i i think it's eight to ten hours depending on how much of a completionist you are but um 
it was just one of the best eight to ten hours I had gaming this year. I just thought it really worked, um, and and that's a Switch one as well. It's, I think that's on everything. It's on right. everything. Um, I definitely but it, but it is it on Switch. Switch yeah. And it, yeah. I just I I feel like you should mention when games are on Switch, so people who are Switch owners are like a game on Switch and they can right. get excited. About it. Paul that's did true. did did, uh, did playing Steam World Day Two make you want to play Steam World Heist at all? Um, well. Interestingly enough, uh, I believe Steam World Heist is now coming to Switch next year. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so I actually, I, I mean, I wasn't really familiar with it. I just saw good reviews. I just know it takes place after two. I've played like an hour of it, and it's it seemed cool. It's like an XCOM style side scroller oh. shooting. Oh, thing. interesting. Um, so um, yeah, when that comes out on Switch, uh, I, 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 I will probably pick that up. So, um, but yeah, I'm not that familiar with that one at all. So. Okay, Trav. Let's uh, let's get your eighth favorite game. Twenty uh, seven. Number eight is Super Mario Odyssey. Ooh, that Ooh. is on my list yeah. as well, and also um, on mine. <laughs> there you go. The it probably would it would maybe be a little a little bit higher if I had pl- if we had done these lists a couple months ago um, when it first came out, but. Yeah, I, I when really it was like fresh and right. Like right there at the top of and my mind. The, all the ending stuff was still like you know fresh in my mind and everything, but <laughs> but like I I really I really enjoyed it. I played uh, about twenty minutes of it last night and I couldn't fucking figure out how to do how to get one of the moons. But um, See, I, that was I, my question. So are you still playing it? Are you still like picking it up every now and then and having fun with it? May, maybe every now and then, but not like I was. Like I like last night right. when I played it was probably the first time in three weeks. Granted, I've been trying to cram for the list but um right i'm right. looking forward to when we're done with this maybe taking a little bit of a break from like cramming stuff to try to make sure i, don't <laughs> yeah, stuff. I know gaming has become a real like I, it feels like uh, there's an analog here when it's oscar season and everyone who's in the screen actors guild gets the screeners and then you suddenly have to be interested in all these really boring three-hour dramas that get mailed to you mm. <laughs> so when you vote you don't feel like you're being an asshole that's sort of like what happened to us like for the past two months we're like we're gonna do this episode i'm not playing what i want to play i'm playing what i need to play right. to have a competent list going uh but you know it's i mean not it's like still, still all good games still, it's yeah. still fun right. i'm not complaining but um but yeah i mean i i love mario um i'm sure we'll talk more about it later but but yeah, I mean, I I think that the 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 moons that unlock after you finish the main campaign part of the game are really a lot of them are really fun. They they take more thought and everything, and I really like those. Um, and just like the charm, the look of the world, at least most of the world. Some of them I think are kind of boring. But um, which one do you think is boring? Just like I don't like that curious. first one uh, with the with the T Rex in it. Yeah, um, that does feel like kind of a generic. Yeah, world. and then the I didn't really like the underwater place what was that much. something exploded oh that I was that me was disagreeing with the t-rex yeah. i, 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 <laughs> I like the t-rex that was me biting my that tongue. area <laughs> that was what it sounds like when you bite your tongue god court must be like a mistrial waiting to happen with you Objection. um but but, but, but i mean I, I, I think mario odyssey is great like i i the, the the charm they put in and the character and all, all the individual um like different characters that you run into in each different world is really cool um did you like that uh, that snow level where you're like bouncing around with those like snow guys? I, I like that, that part, race? the the race. Yeah, I like that part. I didn't actually spend too much time in that in that world. Yeah, me um, either. But I remember that very. very but I am, like, I am bouncing when I do play. I am slowly going back through the worlds again. Yeah. Um, so how many moons that, are you at, Trav? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I'm still not very high. Like probably somewhere around like 400. Like somewhere reasonably close to 400. Like I'm not like super high. 
Because um, because uh, mostly what I do is I just I, I make one pass through a level, try to grab what right. I can. If I can't figure it out, I'm like, oh, I'll come back later. Yeah. <laughs> you do it like uh, supermarket sweep or whatever yeah. that is, where they're like running through. I, I want to do that so bad when I was a kid. The I kids know. got to go to Toys R Us and just and I was oh always like, God, why don't you just like find the most expensive thing in the store and load your cart up with all of it and then yeah, you can right. just sell it. But anyway. Right. I would you just take all the bikes yeah. and put them on your back. <laughs> <laughs> um, weaselly little kid arms. What about you, Shore? What's uh, your what's yours? Okay. So my number eight, that's what we're on, right? Yeah. Eighth, yeah. Is a game that'll probably be on your guys' list, so I hate to bring it up now, but it is a little game called Prey. That mm. yeah, is Prey's also on my list. list. Okay, great. So it's my number eight. Um, we've talked about Prey a lot. I think Prey is definitely, I'll speak for all of us here, which is in say that Prey is a game that you should definitely play. Mm-hmm. Um, like Edith Finch and Thimbleweed Park, those are games that are like in my niche. So I'll, I'll tell you they're my favorites, but that might not, you know, you take a grain of salt and be like, well, I don't like this kind of game or I do. Prey, I think, is a game you should definitely play because it's really interesting. I love its aesthetic. The basic setup is that um, <laughs> I don't even know how to set it up without spoiling the opening sequence but basically uh it's a sci-fi game where you're dealing with aliens that can mimic things they're called mimics and they can hide as like you know that cup of coffee you're about to pick up might be an alien um you can get powers you can upgrade um it's a bethesda game correct uh it's an arcane game the dishonored guys oh the dishonored guys sorry my mistake well it feels sort of like a bethesda game but it does feel more like dishonored uh, in terms of, uh, it's like more of a spiritual successor to Dishonored than I felt like Dishonored 2 was. Sure. Um, I loved the fact that the game has like this weird 60s alternate history motif. Oh, so everything so has good. this really like swanky Mad Men vibe. Yeah, evocative of Bioshock, but definitely its own take on it. Yeah, it's, oh, a, it's a little yeah. bit like Space Bioshock, a little bit yes. without big daddies, unfortunately. Right. right. Uh, there are big baddies, though. Yeah, I guess there is uh, kind, of, some a, are kind scary. of an equivalent to the big daddy, but not quite. Right. But it's fun. It's got action. It's got stealth. It's got interesting characters and lots of fun choices, moral and amoral. <laughs> <laughs> you can make lots of choices. And it has an interesting hook at the end. Um, really great, really fun game. Didn't like the hacking mini game. That's my one nope. gripe with it. I nope. say it every time. Um, but yeah, that was that was mine. Um, okay, so we're on to number seven, yes? Yep. Yes. So, Paul, what is your seventh favorite game? It's a game we haven't really talked about a whole lot recently, and it's Prey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. All um, right, great. So, yeah, uh, by the way, we did a whole spoiler episode on this, if I recall, and it's sure. super awesome. So, listeners, if you missed it, go back and listen, yes. because um, the game's worth talking about. Um, so, two thing, a few things I'll say is, A, the weapon wheel design. Why is that not yep. in every game already? <laughs> um, you guys had to alert me to that, I remember, because I had no idea it existed, because I never got enough powers. That would legitimately oh, right. make Horizon Zero Dawn a better game. And they would right, make the combat right. I remember better. saying that. That's so funny. Um, it's like a flashback episode, too. <laughs> right. Um, and, and to me, I mean, the game is great. Um, I'm actually, if people would stop putting out great video games that I really, really want to play... Um, <laughs> And then Shore would stop telling me I need to play a little game series called Metal, Metal Gear. Gear too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, I would be very curious to do another playthrough of this game, um, taking a different another playthrough. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. yeah. I was yeah, thinking last apologize. night that I want to play. I want to do another playthrough of Prey as well. Same. I want to get all those crazy powers that I didn't get because I was too scared. <laughs> right. No, I think I think it'd be really interesting to do that. You know, actually, now that I've played it once, like do a playthrough 
through kind of the two routes you can do. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, we talked about enough, but it is a great game. It's number seven. It would be higher if there's the one point um, in the game's kind of last act um, where there's a certain enemy that comes in, and I didn't find it particularly fun to fight all those enemies, but other than that... I think I remember you complaining yeah. about that at yeah. the time. Yeah, but... I remember. All right, uh, Trav, what is your seventh favorite of 2017? Uh, so we're not getting a clean sweep of Prey here all at, all at oh, once, but it's so close. close. Um, my number seven is Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. Boo! Mm. Is that... Now, Trav, that shouldn't even be on your list That's because DLC. it's an expansion. It's not yeah. DLC, it's a standalone game. But it's, it's also a standalone, a standalone game. game, so I guess we'll let him off the hook. We didn't really say anything about that hard and fast rule, but in my head, I'm like, bah, how when, could Trav hey, pick when, Dishonored? When they, when they sell you the, the Dishonored collection on PSN, there's three different games on it, so Death of the Outsider <laughs> is one of them. I don't know if I'm going to use marketing materials as proof of anything, but okay, Trav, go, go with um, Death of the Outsider. So in Death so of the Outsider, you play Billy, Billy Lurk. Lurk, yeah. Um, yes. Who is Rosario Dawson? I want to say. Yeah, looking awesome. as beautiful as not really. No, she's a little. She's had a rough time. She's um, a little mangled. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it it, it also features uh, D- uh, Dowd from Dishonored Dowd. One, and that's uh, like Wolverine. What's what's who's the voice actor that plays Dowd? Is it uh, I don't remember. Michael Madsen? Oh, it could be that. Makes I, th- I, th- sense. I think that's I think that's right. He's not doing anything. Um. I may be wrong about that, but but yeah, I mean, it, Dishonored: Death of the Outsider ended up being like I really enjoyed Dishonored too, but I felt like Death of the Outsider was more of a like shorter, like more focused experience that I ended up probably enjoying more. Um, the powers are really cool. Billy gets uh, like analogs of the same style of powers, but but different, you know, in function. Um, Did they change the way? I, I I remember someone telling me that they changed the way powers. Either you can reuse them. I don't know if it's a cooldown. Yeah, because or Billy doesn't make a deal with the uh, the outsider the way that you do in Dishonored One and Two. So she has. So for those who don't know, the outsider is like this demigod type. He's figure. like a Loki devil. Yes, figure. he's very much like Loki. Who, but he grants people powers that they can use. Like a standard Dishonored power is blink to teleport to a different location. But the premise of Death of the Outsider, this standalone also DLC type thing is that you're trying to kill the outsider, right? Right. It's like it's like an assassin's quest. I never would have got that from guy. the title. <laughs> um, Death of the outsider it sounds like oh we're all going to his funeral. <laughs> but uh, but the way that the no, way the powers work in this squad. one because obviously you're not making a deal with him, he's not going to give you power so that you can come kill him. Um or at least it's not this, it's not the same way that it's, that it's you But what know, a done. baller move if he and, did. Fuck it. I, I mean, obviously Come he's, at me, he's in the game, but like it's it's right. it's hard to explain without spoiling stuff. But right, but right, your right. your powers are just on a cooldown, basically. From what I remember, it has been a couple months since I played it, but they're basically on a cooldown as opposed to you having like a mana bar. My um, ultimate is charging, and and having to pick up elixirs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it ended up being really cool. I think it's four or five missions. Um, it's like half the length of, of Dishonored 2. Um, but there's like so much in each individual level compared to like Dishonored 1. There's just like so many different things that I was spending multiple hours in each individual level. Um, just trying to find all the different ways you could do stuff and everything. I just, I, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I have loved all the Dishonored games. So this was just more for me. All right. We're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. 
to my seventh favorite game, which is Mario Odyssey. Oh. So that's on all of our lists, correct? Yeah. So, Paul, did you and I just like swap the orders of two games, basically? Or wait, is that Trav? No, yeah. And yeah. I did swap the orders. Yeah. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Mario Odyssey is a game that I have... I didn't fall in love with it quite as hard as uh, as you guys did, I think, in the beginning. But then, like, I picked it up again because I was like, I remember really loving this, but I feel like when I beat it, quote-unquote beat it, didn't get all the things, but, like, beat it, I was like, eh, whatever. It was just okay. And then I picked it up again recently, and I'm just like, this game is, like, fun in a box. Like, you can play it for any amount of time that you want. You can go do some crazy thing, find some crazy thing. It really is just a true delight as a game. Um, I also want, as a side note, for Christmas, I received from my loving family the Pro Controller for the Mm. Switch. It is amazing. You guys did not sell it short. Uh, it is it is amazing, and I highly recommend it. I thought, I thought you were about to say we didn't do it justice, and I was going to get very upset with you. Right. right. <laughs> no, you guys sold it sold it to me super well. I was like, no controller could be this good, but it feels great. Um, and uh, you can sort of do the motion moves with it, yeah, so right. that's fun. kind of. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really dug Mario Odyssey. We did a full episode about that, too, if you want to know more about it. But basically, yeah, it's just a delight, pure fun, imaginative and it reminds me of uh, old Dreamcast games where they're like, ah, we could we could do this, but it wouldn't make any sense. And they're like, that's exactly why we have to do it. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on to our sixth favorite game of 2017. Let's start with Paul. Uh, number six for me is Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Ooh. Also um, on my list. Um, and This is not on my list, unfortunately, but it probably would be if I had played it. Yeah, it definitely would be. It'd yeah. probably be your number one. Hey, sure, you know, sure needs to play it so we can do a spoilers segment on it because I think the game's really interesting. But uh, I will I'll get right on that, Mind Commandant. Yeah. All right, so tell us why you love this Nazi rage-fueled environment. Um, well, I mean, A, you describe the environment and you get to kill Nazis in the rage. <laughs> um, so that's that's pretty big pro in my book. Um Right, I remember you saying that there's no better been besides World War Two. There's been no better time in American history to kill Nazis right. than there is right now. Uh, but a, I, if you can't punch Richard Spencer, play Wolfenstein too. The the cutscenes and animations are just fantastic. Um, and parts of what I really like the game, I can't even really talk about. Um, yeah, Wolfenstein Two is hard to talk about without. Um, yeah, but. Because there's a lot of story twists and turns right. that are very captivating. Right. Yeah. You can't even talk about an important event in the first level without spoiling the first game. Right. So I, I, I don't want to go there. Ooh. But the gameplay is different. There are reasons for it. Um, you move very quickly. Um, and it actually changes the gameplay, I think, quite a bit from the first one. Um, I actually... There's two normal difficulties. Um, just because I had so many games and I was trying to get through this before the end of the year... I played on the lower normal difficulty, not on easy. Um, and I, I think that maybe made the game more fun because I felt really powerful um, running, <laughs> just zipping around and shooting Nazis and having them be like, oh, what just happened? Oh, um, just zipping around, shooting Nazis, having a ball. Um, I, I really love the music, uh, the way that they do it, um, except for the end credits. Uh, but uh, they have. Uh, and <laughs> oh, you didn't you didn't like the end credits? I saw some people talking about maybe that's a low point. <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny to me. It seems like such a nitpick for having not played the game. It's like except for the it's, end credits. It's I'm like what? Uh, it's just a thing that they decided to do. That right, didn't but work for a lot it of has 
there's there's a courthouse scene which is just tremendously impactful that whole that whole hour that block hour yeah. that starts there is like the, it, it's just insane i was playing the game and i was really liking it and then i got to that block and i was just like wow this is fantastic and same this is my life i'm a lawyer <laughs> yes that is exactly the impression that's I what had, it was um, any courtroom paul's into you it. guys are really hyping me up for this game and i've you already told me a million well, times to play l- it but. let me let me ask you this paul without and if, if you don't get the question right away we don't need to go into it did you get that trophy yeah i i, I don't dig okay. the all question. Right. But I'll, I'll also, ask you. All right, all right. Even without having played the game, I feel like Trap could have done a better job with that hit. <laughs> I, I literally couldn't. I literally couldn't. I, I thought about all a different right. way to do it, but I can't. All right, moving on, Trav. Uh, uh, my number six is SteamWorld Dig 2. Um, oh, well, we already we talked about it, Great. but you know the music in that game is, is really uh, charming. It gives, it gives you a feeling of, of being on your own, but also having somewhere to go back to for me. Um and just like the gameplay, and it just it kept growing on me as I got more more and more uh, upgrades to my to my equipment. Um, and I, I just I ended up really loving the the main character and or both main characters, I guess. Um, and and yeah, I mean we already talked about it, but Steamworld Dig Two, if you have a Switch or any system really, but specifically on Switch, it's it's great. Okay, so moving back to me. Yep, throw yeah. it back. Six. All right, so my number six uh, is a game in which I will implore you guys, when are you going to call me nines? That's right. It's near Automata or Automata. Also, on also on my list. Also on Paul's list. Not on Traps. Honorable mention. Ooh, Ooh, we got the shaft. I imagine it probably would have been on my list if I would have had time to play through it again. But <laughs> I, I imagine it would have been on my list if I had liked it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so near is a really interesting game. I know some people bemoan it. It's compared to the other big bombastic open worldy titles. It's a little light in terms of like its combat and its 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 missions and stuff, but it has so much charm and personality and thematically it is so interesting. Basically, you're playing as a pair of androids who are <laughs> androids who are very humanoid in appearance. Uh, with white hair and they look like anime characters and they can fly around in jets. So the opening sequence basically is a top-down shooter, then it becomes a Gundam battle game, and then it becomes an open-world game. Um, so it's a lot of mixing together interesting ideas. Um, sure, you haven't talked about the music yet, and it's killing me. Be- oh my because- god, the music is so good! I, I, I just I bought mean, the soundtrack, and I was listening to it on the, on a drive, and I was just like, yeah. It's so good. There is another game that's on my list that's probably on everyone's list that has obviously great music as well, but this is my choice for best soundtrack of the year. The themes, the way they're done, the 8-bit versions of the themes. This game has surprising depth, and it is. it goes from... What's really interesting about this game is that when you beat the main story, it's like, you've completed ending A. Would you like to try ending B? So then you play through the whole game again, Uh, as a different character and then you can there are a bunch of different endings and choices and by the end of it i had i know this isn't you know your mileage may vary but i had a very i went from having a very shallow view of this game in this universe to a very like thoughtful and i i think this i almost wanted to do a whole segment about all the different themes running through the game um, in terms of like how it views mankind, how it views the idea of artificial intelligence, what it means to have a soul, what it means to evolve, to have a family. Right. And all this stuff 
uh, interweaves into a really brilliant tapestry that where it's like each individual facet of this game might look weird or dorky, but together they make a symphony. Um, and that's that's what I really dig about that game. I did I did um, want to ask you guys just real quick. Did did playing this make you guys want to go back to near one at all? No, no. Uh, okay, I have no interest in that. It it made me curious, but then I just I I, I had so much to play. I didn't really go back. But yeah. it, 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 I I don't blame you. Like near one's hard to play. Um, but I would I would at least maybe read the Wikipedia of the plot summary or something because like there's cool yeah, stuff I in might that one do as well. That. But I, yeah, I just, after we did Backlog, and I'm like, oh, I have 100 games I own that I haven't played. I have a problem. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to buy anything unless I absolutely have to. Um, okay, so we're on to number five, five right? Yeah. Paul, your fifth favorite game. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey. Um, there we go. And sure, I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about replaying it. To me, this game is just pure fun with Mario jumping. The hat mechanic is just great. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about that in this episode, but your ability to steal people's souls is amazing. In this right, yeah. and how it changes, I mean, what you can do, just how it changes his jump and the areas you can get to in the game where you're like, oh, I yeah. shouldn't be here, and you're like, oh, wait, they placed all these <laughs> coins here. Like, someone at Nintendo knew I was going to go here. Um, and I, I think, you know, it, it has fun Mario music. The levels are mostly good. Um, I there are a few levels where I was like a little less excited about, but that's okay. Um, and I just think, you know, if I was trying to hand someone a video game, knowing nothing about them and wanting them to have a good time, I, Mario is just such a solid choice. And I, Oh yeah. I, you, th- this game, the word that comes to my mind is like delightful. I like, I think of this game as like ice oh, yeah. cream. Everybody loves it. Um, and, <laughs> uh, I, I really liked, and for that reason, uh, I know a lot of people thought it was a little too easy. Um, it is easy to beat the game, but there's plenty of challenge if you go looking for it. And I really like the yeah. moons. Um, I have 500. There's some really cool post-game content, which I haven't gone through um, yet, which I'll do at some point. But And I mean, it, it being a Switch game, like... I'm like I, I take breaks from it, but I imagine all three of us will be going back to it. It's some yeah. like you know, a relatively great game to regularly. have on the go, right. right? All right, Travis. Um, that's weird. Um, number five. Number five is Resident Evil Seven. Ooh. Oh, that's on my list too. Resident Evil Seven is is it's just so good. It's the best one they've it's made so good. since. I might even like it. I, well, I mean. I think it's I might like it better than four. four. Yeah, it's 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 so good. Like the the way that they did the like they made it, they changed the perspective to first person. They still made it feel like Resident Evil One, but in a new yes. environment. Like I w- I will say this: I I played the demo and I had gone into this, and I just want to gush with you now. So I'm going to say most of my thoughts now too. But like, uh, if you don't know anything about this game, just like go fucking play it because like i knew very little i played it like last week it was the last game i played before i did this and i just loved it i i would say in, in like you're saying a comparison to four i would say that the highs of resident evil 7 are better than four but the lows are also lower than four mm. so it's like the there, parts yeah, that, there did, are some that lows. didn't quite work are like eh, they aren't as much fun as the worst parts in four yeah. Um, so four is more even keeled, but like the stuff they accomplish in this game. That like, that happy birthday video is so good. 
<laughs> How about just like you're walking around the house and you've got like headphones on and you just hear a creek behind you, yeah. water dropping. And, you're like, and it's like, that was nothing. But the sound design in this game is so fucking good. Yeah. And like, and, and the characters are pretty interesting too. I mean, everything about this game was great. Did and you? It's got a bunch of jump scares. It's so fun. This is a very slight spoiler. Did you get the wall coming down in the beginning of the game? With with Jack, I don't remember that okay. happening. Because that's a, know it's a thing a, that, a lot that can of or can't. Yeah, can there's happen. a lot of things that, depending on your position, won't happen or will happen. Um, but I mean, it's the kind of game that you'll play through multiple times at some point. So. I would love to. I would love to speed run that game. Yeah, so I mean, fun. it's it's like I said, I played you know a few hours a couple weeks ago, and I was just like blazing through it because even though it had been mm-hmm. like eight months, I remembered a lot of it. Um, it's just One such of my such a great little game. things is like doors with like weird markings and like weird arcane in resident evil one as a kid i had resident evil director's cut on ps1 and i was like this is so obtuse and i played resident evil hd i think two years ago and i was like i still don't get this i need a guide to get there in resident evil 7 it's like very uh reverent to those ideas but they make it into a modern game i also i just love that like as opposed to having a key with a scorpion symbol there's just a literal scorpion on the door <laughs> yeah to let yeah, you know exactly. that that's that's the key you need like that's so good right it felt very metroid to me especially because it's like red key red door <laughs> kind and of then thing. all the but, stuff yeah, with with it. uh with lucas i thought was also great um that that wasn't my favorite part necessarily but no i mean my um, the best part's probably when you're still in the house yeah the house everything about that is so perfect i think that's that's my one complaint about it is that they do the hills have eyes. Um, what's the other one? Wrong turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre style, like familial, creepy, rednecky thing. Right. So well that when it starts to divert into other horror movies, I was like, you don't need to dilute this. Just double down on what you got. Yeah. Like, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it but I mean, they, like, they 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 brought it back to being like it's a Resident Evil ass story as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it, it can't be Resident Evil unless it gets really fucked up at some yeah. point, just like out there. Um. All right. So that was your five. five yeah. Correct. Yeah. So my five is another game with great sound design, and that game is Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice. So, Trav, I know you just finished this. You mm. didn't like it quite as much as I did, correct? I, I really um, enjoyed it. It was more of a feel thing for me, though. Like, I remember talking to you about it before I started it and asking you if there was a literal story. And, like, there is, but it was a bit harder for me to follow, I think, than it was for you. Yes. Just because, like, I think I was looking I, it, for... It was hard for me to follow. I Don't get me wrong. I turned on subtitles, like, halfway through so I could get a better sense of it. Once I really started to enjoy it... Mm. So. You, you might know nothing about Hellblade. I certainly didn't. I came aware of it at the same time as I came aware of uh, Edith Finch. So Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, the weird, weird, weirdly titled game, is a game that is like, you're like a Celtic warrior, mm. right? Uh, and, yeah, more or less. Or Nordic. She's, she's a redhead. She has to be Celtic. Um, and like, <laughs> your character suffers from mental illness, so you hear voices throughout the game. And if you're wearing headphones, the voices whisper to you in surround sound and tell you what to do, what not to do. Sometimes they're it's trustworthy. That, it's a, it's a really not. cool game. Like, even just in the mechanics, that's a really cool thing that they can, like, give you hints and stuff. When yeah. you're, For example, when you're fighting during the combat session, they're like, behind you! You know, it's really exciting. Um, so, sure, is there it are some... Co- like, I haven't even watched any gameplay. It sounds fascinating. But, like, is it a combat game mostly? No. No? 
I would say it doesn't be really become a combat game until the second half when there's a lot more combat. I regularly. felt like it was pretty. I thought like it was spread out enough. Like I, I wasn't missing combat. Like I, I wasn't like no. dying to get back to combat. It was just like there was combat and it was good. Like it's relatively simple compared to Ninja Theory's other games. You know, like Devil May Cry and stuff. But yes, but it, it's it's done super well for what it is. This is this is what you need to know going in. It's beautiful. It's dark, and it might freak you out. The game is broken down into three quadrants, which is one, the narrative parts, where it's like you're just sort of walking or interacting with something or watching a cutscene, and you're getting to know the depths of her mental illness or the people in her life who have contributed to the way she is the way she is, or the reasons she is the way she is. And then there's the other part, which is like puzzle solving, trying to open doors, trying to like find runes made of objects around. This is the part that is most tedious if you're trying to get through the game like I was. Yeah, I it like parts of it, a little but tiring. yeah. Um, I grew to like those sections more as I grew to understand their patterns, but it's sort of like playing Zelda one with no instructions for mm. a long time. You're like, why, why am I not seeing what they're trying to show me? And when you see it, you're like, oh, that was really fucking obvious, but there is a good, I always found that this could be, you know, your mileage may vary because you might be smarter than me. I doubt it. But, uh, if you, for me, there was always like a minute to five minutes past the point of like oh i like this what a challenge this is fucking stupid right i am done i want to move on and then i'd find it after five minutes of feeling that way did you so it, the the, it could, the woods area was the one that that really got me yes sure that makes sense but to me it's all about like once i started to piece together the lore and the story and how it all intertwined and i don't even know i say like because like it's kind of exciting at the beginning to not know necessarily what all the whispers are saying. But when I had the subtitles on at towards the, the last part of the game, I did start to understand what all the non whispery voices were saying. Mm. And that helped me understand the story and the context a lot more. And visually some of the stuff at the end and like the emotions of it, it really spoke to me. And I'm, I've, I've been fairly open about my own struggles with mental illness and anxiety which I am medicated for. And I will say, though, that if you do suffer from anxiety like I do, this game is, like, going to trigger the shit out of you. Because, like, I'm sitting there with my headphones on, all these things are whispering. I'm like, I need to take a break. <laughs> like, I would play Resident Evil. I felt that way, down. too. I mean, yeah. Like, it's, it, it, it will get you. And I've talked to people who said, oh, no, it was exciting, but I didn't feel that way. But it's like, it could trigger you. So be prepared for that. It's okay to play it on your speakers, offside your you know <laughs> off of your head if it's really getting to you because it definitely got to me i played it about half and half um but i yeah i really loved it basically it's like it's like yeah story and puzzles and combat and the combat is actually really fun um and the graphics are really great they're very it's sort of similar graphically uh to horizon but the gameplay is couldn't be more distinct um it's it's like i think it's a 30 or 40 dollar game um, i think it's 30 yeah it's 30 um i i think it's an, a really interesting game and if you're up for something a little bit bizarre this is something you should check it's like out. seven hours long like i didn't feel like i felt like i got my money's worth granted i got it for 20 because it was on sale but, but it does go on right, sale right. fairly regularly like i still enjoyed it 
Um, I, I do want to play it again at some point because it of its length and everything, you know, I it wouldn't take it's not a big investment, and I I enjoyed right. the and once it's the like feeling Resident of Evil, it like and everything. Once you know the puzzles, you can right. sort of like fly through. It. And I, I just I would like to play it maybe with subtitles through the whole thing and try to get like like yeah. I, I I read up on it after I beat it, like I know the story and everything, but you know just to get the like it still was a really enjoyable. Experience I don't feel like I know I it all the way through, but I started to understand it by the end, and I got just enough of the ending to really hit me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to go through it again. And that, that, that last fight's really cool as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so we are on number four, correct? Our mm-hmm. fourth favorite yeah. game of 2017. So let's go to Paul. Um, so four for me is Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Trav, and you wow. said nice. it, you started talking about it before I could even say it was on my list too. But um, so it's kind of odd. Like most video games now look great, but Horizon Zero Dawn looks fantastic it's on another level it's on another it's, level it's, it's huge. amazing how good this game looks paul, paul one thing i noticed when i picked it up again uh was that the character animations like the physicality i don't know if it was all mo-capped or what yeah but they are beautiful yeah. like they are so fucking articulate and realistic like the faces are still in that video game uncanny valley place a little but bit like, yeah I mean, they're, they're super realistic. They're not creepy on Candy Valley, but it's still like a digital face. Right. It's like um, but the bo- Final Fantasy. The body language, like, right? Like, the, the movement, the way they gesture. Right. All this stuff that you see in like a Telltale game or even like a Bethesda game where people are doing like rote gesture cycles and, and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, like these aren't, I'm not saying these games are bad, but it's just like that stuff sticks out when you see something like Horizon right. where like in the cutscenes people are just like, no, I'm a real fucking person. I'm a real person in front of you. Right. Like, this is crazy. No. So yeah, it looks fantastic. Um, I played just a few minutes of it with HDR on and that's even Ooh. more mind blowing. Um, I would just like to see her hair in HD. Yeah, everything, it it looks great. Um, The other thing is they took a world where you have all these distinct groups of, uh, you know, basically tribal groups of humans with robot dinosaurs, and I'm not going to get any spoilers, but it's spun together in a story that actually, like, completely makes sense and done very, very well. And, you know, that's something I was really surprised that it paid off um this is a game where they have audio logs when you're exploring you can learn more about the world but i actually stopped to listen to all of them which i very rarely do um and the side quests i thought were pretty good it's not necessarily witcher 3 level but they clearly took inspiration from that um oh uh, what a great game yeah (laughs) yeah right also a good game if you haven't played it um and yeah i just really liked it the more i go back to it uh thinking back is the more fond i am of this game um and it would benefit from the weapon wheel um and <laughs> from prey right I mean, everything would but especially horizon yeah. especially horizon even games without weapons like yeah. i think edith finch could benefit from uh it's just fun wheel. it's just right. fun to just go in circles and i think yeah. one of the other impressive things is this is from a studio that did basically had only done kill zone games which were first right dark first person shooter that is the most impressive thing because their games kind of sucked before this one um, they like really put their heart and soul into this right and for them to put together an open world game that works on so many levels and there are yeah. you know minor things i think could be improved but yeah I, that's also super impressive now in the more i've learned about video game development that you know you have a basically it's the first time the studio did this type of game it's it's amazing i'm looking for horizon one dawn 
in the next four years or whatever. <laughs> I, uh, on a micro level, how great is it that she has red hair and you blend in with the red bushes? Oh my goodness. I love that. Oh, I'm so glad it's you so brought cute. that up. Like, you're like, oh, how am I really going to stealth it? And like, you know, hiding in bushes. <laughs> and like, that was one of the few games where I'm like, oh, I'm hiding in bushes. They have no clue. Right. And you just. They... It's like, it's not like she has conditioner. Her hair is going to be bristling. Right. <laughs> it's going to fit right in. I just thought that was such a cute character specific thing. All right. Um, so, Trav, we're on four. Yes. Four. Yes. Uh, yes. My number four is Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus. Wonderful. All right. Um, so you're the big Wolfenstein proselytizer. You're the one who has evangelized all of us to to come and see the glory of the new mm-hmm. world. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, not much more than what, what Paul said. Um, it's so hard I to think, talk about the game and not spoil yeah, it. Yeah, like, like, like I can't. I'm sorry. Like, I'll we'll, play it. Like, when, when Shore plays it, we'll do a spoiler or curse right. segment on it, and then, okay. you know, we'll be able to talk about all this stuff. But, yeah, great game. Uh, play it on easy if you want to, because like Paul said, like I think that that's you <laughs> coming know. from you. That seems like such a disdainful. Thing. No, not at all. Play like, it on easy if you are not entitled to win. <laughs> like, like, I guess like, that would be entitled to win. I don't know. Because like Sorry. Wolfenstein too, like running through it with like double shotguns or double, you know, whatever. Like that's just it. Just, it feels good. Like I know exactly what Paul yeah. means. Um, but but yeah, the the story is the thing in that game. The characters there is like. Almost all of it, I think, works together. Like, there was very few story things where I was like, I don't know. There was one thing that happened to me that I felt kind of like weird about. Like maybe they shouldn't have put it in, but but we'll talk about that at a later time. But but just everything, almost like ninety five percent of everything they do, I feel like hits. Oh yeah, in a way that just it's amazing. And how good is that ending? Yeah, yeah. I I it it kind of. I'm glad they didn't feel the need to do what a lot of other games do in their ending. Right. Oh. oh man okay no more no more <laughs> all right uh my number four we've already talked about it is resident evil 7 mm-hmm. uh i'm not gonna say any more about it i got really excited when trav said i'm, it, I'm really glad you liked it because like I, I was worried that you were gonna loved like it. it uh okay so let's move on to number three so paul what is your third favorite uh, game of 23 for me is near automata um ah, sure you hit a lot of the, the things i love about it um I think it's a fascinating game. Um, I love the different endings. Um, I was really worried that I would hate the second playthrough, and I, I actually really enjoyed the second playthrough. I did too. Trap was the only one right. who hated it. Um, and I really like. <laughs> I didn't like the hacking that much. <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, it's not that great. But the the music, I love all the like that first level when you're you're flying a plane you're like wait i thought i was an android that walked around and swung swords like why am i flying a plane yeah. and shooting things and the way that all those gameplay elements came together throughout the game was just i really enjoyed it um and it's it's yeah, so weird um but i i also really like what they did with the narrative structure of the game i thought it was fascinating again i didn't play Drakengard or the first one but yeah, all those, it's one of my favorite experiences. And um, yeah, in short, like you said, we could do a whole episode on like the themes throughout the game and discuss them at yeah. length. Um, and, and I definitely want to do that at some point on a, on a slow news. Right. Maybe we'll talk about it. Um, all right, Trav. All right. So we're going to three. Yeah. Uh, I know that this is both on, on both of your lists. So sorry to pull the trigger soon. But uh, my number third game is, uh, or number three game is Persona 5. 
Woo! Also on my list. Um, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, I, I still think uh, I still like the cast of Persona Four better, but the cast of Persona Five really does grow on you. For the most part, I still think some of the characters are a little weird, but uh, for real. Yusuke. But um, <laughs> wait, who, Yusuke? Yeah, he's Yusuke. Cool, man. Um, I mean, he's cool. He's he's he is weird though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the the music in that game is amazing. The like, just like the just the feeling of playing it, of being this character in this place with these friends and doing like all these different activities, being able to do all this different stuff, and sharing this goal and and. I don't know. There's just there's 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 a feeling about playing the whole game that that is really enjoyable. It's, it's really hard, to, hard to describe. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very it's a huge game that takes forever and it feels weirdly intimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it makes Tokyo feel intimate, which is a really crazy thing. Um, yeah, I, I love it as well. Yeah, and and it's another one that I even though it is it did take me. A, at least a hundred hours, I think, or something close to that. It's uh, a hundred hour game. Right. Yeah. There's... I, I do want to yeah. play through it again at some point eventually. Um, right now. Nah, not right now, but <laughs> I would at like some to point, play through I will. it and just select like all the ridiculous dialogue op- options I didn't <laughs> sure, in the first right. one. Yeah. I just, yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great game, but I'm sure it'll come back up in a minute. So I definitely did that when I, uh, when I was, I think replaying the beginning for a little bit. I want to mm. see if I can do it on super hard. And there's a point where you can like agree with Ryuji or throw him under the bus metaphorically. Mm. But he's like, it's like, it's like we just went to some castle, and you, and you're like, I don't know who this kid is. He just followed me, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, for good. real. Oh, that's <laughs> I was pretty like, this good. is awesome. Um, all right, so it's my number three. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, I'm gonna ruin both your lists because my number three is a little game called. The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. No, not on. That's my on list. both your lists, correct? No. Not on my list. What? No. What? No, I'm only kidding. Um, yeah, yes. so I, Breath I of the Wild, see why that obvious choice. We can we can put it on. Uh, you know, we can talk it all up later because I know you guys both have it uh, on your list as well. But uh, my experience with the game, I think, is funny just because I hated it for the first four hours. And then, like, the game broke me. Dear listeners, like, this I, is why you should not trust anything Shore says when he's talking about a game. <laughs> and you should definitely... I think it's one of the main things that I learned or, or this year was that the your initial impression of a game can change so drastically that it's important to see it through to the end, no matter what it is. Which is why even when I was like, I really think I love Resident Evil 7. I was like, finish it. Don't just throw it on the list half finished, you know? Mm. Finish it. Because I, I felt like when I was playing Breath of the Wild, I'm like, I don't get it. It's not like a traditional Zelda. There's no big dungeons. My weapons are breaking all the time. I All my old Zelda skills don't seem to matter anymore. But what it is is just like the best open world game of all time. It, <laughs> is, it is just like looking at it as a game in an open world and just seeing how they, they created the open world and designed it is like amazing the world that's the design on that is like nintendo's like we've never really done an open world so um i know everyone else has been doing this for a while but let me show you how you should actually do it right and <laughs> like, like, like like they they may have they may have missed the mark on some of the story stuff and some of the combat stuff but like just looking at it as an open world first game like yes it's, it's the game amazing. is not flawless but it's so good at what it does that 
all of its positive aspects outweigh any of its It makes flaws. other open world games look bad. Like yeah. as far it, as like the really, discovery, like so, that's the thing in that game is the discovery. If you think if you think nothing could make The Witcher Three look bad, it's Breath of the Wild because it's the only thing as far that as make The Witcher 3 as far as discovery bad. in the open world and everything. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, because like I don't give a shit about going over hill and dale in The Witcher. It's all about those side quests. Right. But like in Zelda, I'm just like I'm gonna go in this direction and, and meet the horse. Yeah. Or some I was shit. like, like it's gonna be great. What's on top of that mountain? I bet it's something cool. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know how I'm gonna get up there. It. Let me go cook some food yeah. so I can climb far enough. It also makes climbing in every like horizon and uncharted and stuff feel bad to me now. So it is a there are certain moments of that game that are just pure magic moments. Yeah, I think I, that's one of the, like my initial impressions of Horizon. Where kind of uh, you know I I just played Zelda and I was just like Horizon. I was like, wow, this looks great, but man, Zelda looks You're so not awesome. Zelda. And I was like, and yeah, I can <laughs> climb in here, but like I, I can't climb everything. Like there's this tree. Yes. I don't know what's up there. And Horizon suffered uh, because of its proximity to Zelda. Right. And I feel for them because, you know, they were like, well, we can't release it at Christmas. That's when Zelda's coming out. We'll release it in February. Then we'll be game of that year. And then Zelda gets delayed. And they're like, God damn it. Right. <laughs> um, those poor guys. But, uh, yeah, that's my number three. I, I'm excited to hear more about what you guys think about it. Um, uh, let's go on to number two. Uh, Paul, what is your second favorite game of the uh, year? Number two for me is Persona 5. Um, oh. And... I'll say it right now because there's no reason to hide it. It is also my number two. Right. Um, so, man, just everything about this game. Like, the the style of the game. Like, how... Yes. I mean, I saw people cosplay on the internet. They were cosplaying as the menu from this game, which tells you how good the design <laughs> is. And I was like, and I was like, like when you go to the pause menu and it goes thwack, right? Like someone's hitting you across the face. I love yeah, that. Yeah, and then they and then they did. Uh, someone also um, did like the the battle. You know how they have the button layouts about what button right, does what. The, they, the little yeah, yeah. That, and, I was like, yeah. that tells you how good the design of this game is. Um, the music's fantastic. Um, the characters are it's fantastic. got the best battles in any jrpg ever oh yeah as so far as good. like design of it you know like pressing different buttons and not having to deal with clunky menus and stuff like that yeah um right i mean that was fantastic um the characters really do grow on you um even ryuji oh totally for real <laughs> yeah, more or less i guess um and and the big thing i noticed is you know persona the previous ones had not done um, the dungeons were not they were procedurally generated mostly and the right. design dungeons just really took this game to another level for me um i love this game so much i went back and finally finished persona 4 which is also fantastic um <laughs> and that's why that's why i couldn't finish horizon because then paul was talking about uh persona 4 and then i played persona 4 <laughs> right <laughs> which ate up as you know another a billion hours right. But yeah, if you don't know anything about Persona, and, I, and you should know, they're basically Final Fantasy-style turn-based RPGs that mix in mechanics of Pokemon and uh, your after-school anime. So you're like a high school student, uh, you go in through a shadow world, and you fight a bunch of monsters, and the monsters have like effects on the personalities of the people in the real world. That's like the easiest way I can explain it. We did a full episode where we tried to explain it. It took like an hour uh, just to get through the premise, but... That's the basic stuff, and um, it's beautiful, it's it's gorgeous, the music is fantastic and upbeat and exciting, and um, I was just, like, weeping when I finished this game. I was like, this felt like a fully personal experience, and I felt like I got what I so wanted out of Breath of the you, Wild. were you crying for, like, ten hours because the ending's so long? 
<laughs> no, I meant I meant like the very oh. ending, uh, like the last one. I'm like, oh, it's so great. Uh, but like, I uh, I got it's just like all my persona knowledge came to fruition here. All the skills I'd picked up through the series, I could throw them right. At. That's why I felt like jilted by Breath of the Wild because like none of my previous Zelda knowledge really helped. Um, it was like a fresh slate or clean slate, fresh start, and a, <laughs> a clean Sheikah slate, <laughs> and. Uh, Persona 5 is just like, I felt like this is a game designed for you. You did it. And I felt like such a genius. I died so few times. I was so proud of myself for being good at a video game for once. Not only do I like video games, here's one I'm actually decent at. Um, so I, I was just thrilled with that. And yeah, I could gush about all the characters and all the nuances and all the waifus. Uh, and you want, but I yeah. just really love the, the theme. Like, And 4 was great too with the murder mystery. But yeah. this one, it's like, I'm going to steal your heart. Like, it was... <laughs> right i mean it was just so zany yeah, and perfect heart, it was it just it just works on so many levels um and if you might notice there's also in Naoto's plotline in persona 4 there's a character who refers to himself as the phantom thief oh, i know so, i know that was so awesome so satisfying um all right so that's my number two as well as paul's so trav what is your number two uh so my number two is prey Ooh. Um, and actually, Prey was my number one for a while. Um, wow. Until I actually sat down and had to actually put the list in order, and I just I couldn't. I really wanted to make Prey my number one, but I couldn't do it. Um, just to be divisive and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did I did actually find out one thing when I was looking up stuff about Prey. You know that you know that song that you really like, Shore, the one that plays in the crew quarters. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you if you pick a male character, you get a female singer, and if you pick a female character, you get a male singer. I don't know why. I just thought that was interesting. Um, <laughs> that is fun. Because I looked up that song <laughs> and it was a guy singing, and I was like, that's not Wait, right. And you guys, did um, you guys play as male or female? I paid. I played male. Rim. Yeah, so that's interesting. I, yeah, I, w- I was a man. I was an anchor. I put as a female. I don't know why I did that. I just decided. I, I thought about doing it too. It just seems more interesting. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we've already talked about prey a lot. But I prey is great. If if you wait, if can you we like talk Bioshock about Bioshock or any, how you read the computer screens? How it handles that? Like, oh, I love that. Yeah, I, mean, so I love cool. that's, that's really stuff. good too. That you can just walk up to a computer screen and not have to like do anything with it you can pull in on it if you want which right, is what yeah. i did a lot of the time but you can just walk up and hit buttons and stuff and, and there's like little component balls that come out of the fabricator machines right. and stuff the recyclotron also oh, the it. opening sequence is so good yes the, yeah, the helicopter so cool. ride is yeah one of the Beautiful. best moments ever yeah i mean it's a game. game they had a free hour-long demo on playstation and i wasn't like super interested one in the of, game and Travis like you should yeah. check that out and I, I was like, okay, I just bought it. <laughs> yeah, that 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 helicopter ride sold me on the game. It's not even the gameplay, but I was just right. like, this, like I have to this see this good. through. Um, All right, um, so we're we're getting down to the wire on number ones, aren't we? Right. So I think if I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna say that you. I think Paul and I can go at the same the time. Same. Yeah. Right. right. So on the on the count of three, try to say the name in the same way. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. Mass Effect Mass Andromeda. Mass Effect Andromeda. Yes. I mean, yes. <laughs> no. No, I was you ruined Paul the show. We have to cancel the show. So my wow. thing is I love Sudoku. So any game that oh rewards God. me you know for what? doing all this. You're both fired. Only I can say my favorite game. All right. We both know it's what Zelda. your real favorite It's Zelda. It's Zelda. Zelda. Hands down. Breath of the Wild. Great. All right. Let's speak. Interview each other, if you will. 
So Trav, why is this <laughs> those the best game of the year? Suck, why, huh? why, why did this? How did? Why did you have to bump it, this above it, Prey? It was, it was just the 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 feeling that it gave me. That was, it's like hard to describe. It's not even a thing like that's necessarily like tied to games. Mm-hmm. It's just it's like the rainbow connection. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Someday we'll find it. The rainbow connection. The oh. lovers. All right. The dreamers. Um, and me. Just like, especially for the first like twenty five hours of playing that game before I kind of started to see how it <laughs> how it works. For the measly first twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> like, just just running through that world and like seeing things for the first time and like yeah. being like, and then also the thing that I feel like doesn't get talked about as much, is especially by like by like me when I'm describing it to people is the fact that that when you when you have a problem in front of you and, and you look at it as a puzzle and you're like, well, in the real world, this would work. And then you try that and it actually works. Right. Whereas, like, I yeah. feel like most games would be like, you can't apply a real world logic. But in this game, I felt like you can totally I, apply real I world I literally logic. got stuck in a shrine um, because I was assuming that a certain, uh, uh, like, a wooden element was indestructible because it looked mm-hmm. like in Oh, yeah, I remember you mentioned that. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, the fact that the solution was literally burn down the wood and I was just burn, like... yeah. I was like, "Oh my goodness, how would I do that?" And you, you can, you can, you can do shrines different ways if you can figure out like a clever way to do stuff with your abilities that like maybe isn't intended, but it, yeah. it totally works. And you know? if you want to break the motion puzzle by turning the tile yeah, turn the whole down. thing upside down. That's that's the one part. You know what? You're you're right. I should put pray at number. One. I'm just kidding. Um, but the motion puzzles. So he hates guiding the best. The I best think for me, one of why it's number one is. This is a game I most wish I could just go back and experience for the first time again because the mm-hmm. opening hours and discovering the world and they give Ugh. you all the tools and just figuring out how to use them. Um, I, I I don't think I've had that feeling in a video game before to that extent. See, this is why I played it superior to you guys because I hated the opening hours, so I'll always have that feeling again. <laughs> it's very easy to I, achieve hating something. The... Yeah, the just from beginning to to close to the end. Like by the end of it, I kind of started to see the 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 strings a bit. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's it, hard not to when you spend that much time right. turning over every rock in a wonderful game. And but just like there's that island. There's oh, like, oh, I love that island. Running into a Lionel the first time. Like I remember, oh sure, you and I were texting when we both started it. You know, and I was talking <laughs> you down off the ledge of of wanting to like, right. <laughs> break it or whatever and i'm gonna break the triforce into thirds that's how it always is god damn it and then you asked me if i'd run into a lionel yet not knowing what a lionel was because like what they're only in zelda one no they're in link to the past as well i haven't played either of those so but like running into one the first time and no i've never let's not dwell on it because it's a whole Um, thing but but running into a Lionel for the first time and and, yeah. and fighting it in the music and like also a thing that I feel like maybe I, I know you didn't like it as much sure but like the the music in this game like this might be best soundtrack for me for this year the music's um, incredible it works with the game so well like the light piano touches yeah almost the, everywhere. the battle music the, music the first time really a guardian good. sees you is frightening because of the way that music works um, where it just like slowly yeah. gets b- bigger and then it's like got a really nice beat to it the there's a there's the uh, that uh, place that you run into, the oasis on the way to uh, to the Gerudo town, that has like some of the best music I've ever heard mm-hmm. for like that setting in a game, um, and just like the the act of like getting to the dungeons, I really love it. the dungeons not so much, but the act of getting to them I always felt was a really nice set piece. 
of right. like you know someone helping you from the town to yeah do i really like that part. and anytime like it, it, one of my friends starts picking this up which more of my friends need to do um because they should absolutely play this game but i also selfishly want that so they can text me like things they're discovering during the game right like, right oh my gosh i completely got stuck on this and i didn't do this and then i realized i had to do whatever the completely like obvious real world solution is that works in the game like I love hearing stories about how people experienced and solved mm. parts of this game. Yeah. It's a very personal experience in spite of how great big it is, but it's, it's personal in a different way than persona five because persona five feels like you're having dinner with friends and, uh, breath of the wild is like, you have like a bindle on your Johnny Appleseed and you can walk all over this country yes. if you want. It, to. it just, it, yeah, it, it gave me that feeling of just like awe, but also like, being slightly Aww. like like not scared but just like tense and being like I could run into anything at any time. Yeah. There could be a boss that I haven't seen yet. I could run into like right. a Lionel. I could run into any. There was a moment early on where I was walking down a bridge and there it, there was nothing around me. I don't remember exactly where it was but there was like ruins around me and I was walking down a bridge and I was just like I don't know where I am. I like got sidetracked from what I was doing and took this side path because I started getting the shrine <laughs> message or the shrine indicator was right. going off. Yeah. I never, I never found the shrine. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. I, I, anything could be around me. And like, I just ran. I would run. That would happen all the time. Just like running into cool stuff. Getting, that's that feeling of adventure of not knowing where I was or what I would run into. Yeah. All right. We could talk about Zelda for an hour, and we have go back to our Zelda podcast for even more details on Zelda and how great it is. I'm going to close things out with my number one game of the year. You guys have already figured it out. Um, it's not Mass Effect Intro. Middle Earth Shadow of War. No! My favorite game of the year, a game that I think is better than Breath of the Wild. It sounds crazy to say, but it's definitely more of my favorite. It's a game that's going to stay with me for a very long time, is Hollow Knight. Now, I played this game on my Mac. I played it with a PS4 controller. Uh, there was a little bit of slowdown, but that didn't stop me. I loved it. I loved it. It's a Metroidvania, and what that means is a side-scroller like SteamWorld Dig 2, like we were talking about earlier. Um, but more importantly for me, it's like Super Metroid, which is another one of my all-time favorite games. And uh, basically, Hollow Knight has a beautiful Tim Burton-esque uh, side-scrolling art style. looks very hand-drawn. It was made by Team Cherry, which are three people in Australia. The fact that this game was made by three people is mind-blowing to me because it's so huge. It's a game where every time you feel like you're turning the corner on it, like seven more corners appear, and you're like, what is the shape of this thing? Um, it's a gigantic map. You get all these great powers. It has It's brimming with personality. And if you're into uh, 2D action-adventure-type gaming... It is perfect if you're into like puzzles and Metroidvania and exploring. It's perfect. It works on a lot of different levels, um, but it just hit that sweet spot between new and old for me, and uh, I, I really love it. When it comes out on Switch, I hope you'll all pick it up. So those are our lists. Um, now, we all had some honorable mentions on our lists, right? Mm. Trav, I have here that you said Nier was an honorable mention for mm. you. What made it in that category? As opposed to... Uh, I, I, I got pretty close to wanting to actually put it on my list, even though I was pretty harsh on it um, when I played it. Um, <laughs> just because of, like, looking back on it, I, I, I do have better feelings about it. And just... I do, I do, I do want to play it again. I, I, I know that I... It's, it's hard to explain. Like, I just... I didn't play it, not the correct way, but just, like... 
I was expecting something completely different so that so I wasn't right. able to appreciate what I got. That totally makes sense. When you go with certain expectations, uh, sometimes they can be jilted. We'll definitely talk about that later when we discuss a Star Wars mm. because some people are having that expectation as well. Now, Paul, you and I, uh, we both loved Stardew on Switch. Oh, goodness. If we were allowing ports, I'd probably put that on my list because I play it still to this day. Um, what else What else are other games you wish you could have included or you could just didn't include for various reasons? So I had Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment, um, which oh, right, um, right. I, I really loved. I decided that it was more of an expansion than a standalone game, but it... It, right, it, right. it, I mean, it is its own game, but it reuses certain assets. So, I, I kind of disqualified it there. But it, it's great. I think I love that more than the original Shovel Knight. Um, and uh, Mario Plus Rabbids didn't make my list, but it was like the most unexpected game I think I played this year that I ended up liking. Um, and you know, it's XCOM style. Um, and uh, you guys. Uh, sure you had edith finch that just missed for me and cuphead i was super interested in i haven't got as far as trav um and then um also i finally finished the last of us which should not come out this year but hey that game is <laughs> oh, great I didn't know you finished it really oh, oh yeah that's great yeah 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 that was fantastic game. I, I i'm um that and then my final honorable mention is uh doki doki literature club which is what a weird thing. It's so weird. I don't know what to think about it. You just came out of the woodwork with this game like last week. You're like, it's a visual novel. You made Trav play it. Trav's like, I don't know what to I, think. I don't know what to think. Man. It's just it's I don't even so know weird. if I would recommend people play it. Like it's... I guess play it, but 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 they have warnings in the beginning of that thing that you should definitely listen to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh I can't I don't yeah, it's a visual novel, that's not what it seems. Um it's not super long. It's super weird. Um I, it's got a little Metal so, Gear stuff in it. Yeah. Basically, this is a game. It's, it's Metal Gear if it were a visual play. novel uh, yeah. type game. And That's, I can't even say anymore. That's enough for me. So uh, those are my honorable mentions for the year. Yeah, the only things I had to add to that is we, we talked about how the Game Awards had like best ongoing game. Mm. And mine would probably be Civ Six actually, because it's gotten really, really, really good since it came out. Um Overwatch is still strong, and you know I I would I would love to put NBA Two K Seventeen on my list because it's the best the basketball sim has ever been in terms of pure gameplay. All the trappings around it are complete shit. The more I play it, the more it takes me four minutes to start any basketball game in the campaign mode. It's just it's mind blowing, and that on top of microtransactions and shit that you know it's so frustrating to have what is essentially a core product ruined by just you know brilliant marketing minds yeah um brilliant so biggest disappointments of the year i think we all agreed andromeda mass effect andromeda was a pretty big disappointment we have a whole episode and running gag throughout the year about that little more needs to be said i feel like than just it was complete shit um what else do you guys have any other uh notable disappointments trev you didn't like middle earth although you were you were pretty jazzed on it for a while yeah i I don't like the. I mean, I, I said what my like my biggest problem with that game is that the areas are too small, which that causes a lot of problems because then you're running into captains constantly, which takes away the like specialness of it or whatever. Um, but it's not terrible. It's just like going from a game in from Shadow of Mordor, which was one of my very favorite games in that year, and yeah. then coming to, to to Shadow of War being not in my top ten and 
not finishing it, like that's pr- it's pretty disappointing to me, you know. Right. And and Paul, you felt similarly about uh, it, or just that you were disappointed by the like the reviews and whatnot. Well, I mean, this was a game I super liked. The first one was super excited for the sequel, and then the reviews came out, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. There's been so many other good games. Yeah. Um, and to me, it, it had some issues with microtransactions, not a big, like, not as much as some of the other games, but, like, to go from a it's game... It's Right. To go from a game, like, I was super looking forward to to one I'm not interested in playing is kind of a disappointment. But still probably less of a disappointment than Andromeda, so... Right, I mean, Andromeda, Battlefronts, there's been a lot of sad things. I was sad Red Dead got delayed, but we'll get that soon enough. Yeah. Lots of exciting I'm, things to look forward to I wouldn't really have time year. to play it this year anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have time to play some of the games we've already listed that I have played. I don't know how I did it. Um, so let's just run down our lists real quick. Uh, 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 10 to 1. Um, uh, and uh, that, that way everybody knows what was on our list just rapid fire basically right. so paul give us uh you know in from 10 to sure. 1 your favorite games of so starting with 10 i've got destiny 2 cross story steamworld dig 2 prey wolfenstein 2 super mario odyssey horizon zero dawn near automata persona 5 and breath of the wild and i was as i'm reading this i'm like looking back i didn't have a playstation um until this year or a switch for obvious reasons <laughs> and like my top five games are all Switch exclusive or PlayStation exclusive. And I'm like, and uh, I just yeah, was... That's, that's a turning point. Yeah, well, you know, I just unbelievable to me that, you know, my Xbox is just gathering dust, but... This is Paul putting out the word that his Xbox sucks. <laughs> I'll buy it off you so I can play Cuphead. All right, Trav, give us your 10 uh, to 1. All right, uh, Cuphead, Horizon Zero Dawn, Super Mario Odyssey, Dishonored, Death of the Outsider, SteamWorld Dig 2, Resident Evil 7, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Persona 5, Prey, and Zelda Breath of the Wild. And my favorite games of 2017 are Thimbleweed Park, What Remains of Edith Finch, Prey, Super Mario Odyssey, Nier, Automata, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, Resident Evil 7, Breath of the Wild, persona 5 and hollow knight all right so that's our full uh segment on our top 10 favorite games of the year for each of us hope you've enjoyed it uh and now we're gonna do something different a little segment we like to call curses spoiled again Okay, and we're going to talk about a little movie called Star Wars The Last Jedi, Um, and if you couldn't tell from the title of this segment, we are going to go in depth and talk about Star Wars, so if you haven't seen it yet, A, you're crazy, what are you doing, go fix it, Um, but don't end up like me and having it accidentally spoiled for you, although it wouldn't be an accident. So um, before we get into it, um, sure, you were pretty positive on it, is that right? Yes, that is correct. I really enjoyed it. I had a good time, saw it with my family. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that my general thoughts on it, I know a lot of people I've seen online, a lot of people at work have some backlash and nitpicks against it. I had some nitpicks too, but I feel like 
the reason you're gonna have nitpicks with this movie it's because it makes a lot of choices some of them weird some of them bizarre some of them made just to mess with you so i mean to me i was i was i was happy that it wasn't as formulaic as the last one um but um you know it does it does have questionable moments too but overall i really okay. really liked it i thought the set pieces and you know all, all the stuff that happened in it was pretty exciting. so trav now uh, we may have some discord. I probably, I probably disliked it the, the most of the three of us. I think <laughs> you probably disliked. I, it I'm the one most. of the people that had a lot of problems with it. I, I I did enjoy it overall, but I the nitpicking stuff, like some of the stuff, some of the decisions they made stuck out a lot. Like I'm glad they took some chances, but I think a lot of them All didn't right. work. Okay, so we can yeah. we can go straight up. Spoilers right? No. This yeah. Right so now, this right? is your absolute last chance to not be spoiled on the movie. If you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing? Go see it. Um, don't be like me Cause, cause... and have it accidentally spoiled for you by none other than Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill himself. Um, so, all right, uh, say goodbye, goodbye. Spoiler people. Five, four, three, two, one. You're so, gone. Okay. Now it's time for the real fans. What the fuck was up with that thing? And Luke like squeezes its nipples and oh. gets like alien milk. Yeah. So that <laughs> what the fuck that, was that, that? That was fucking weird. And then I was like, and it's green. And then I was like thinking back because like one of my coworkers is like dude that scene and i'm like i'm like and then i'm like but you know what and and a new hope they're all drinking that like blue tauntaun milk or yeah blue milk is yeah it's delicious so i'm like i guess the only thing that's weird is that we're seeing the milking i don't know that that, that no one wants to see how the blue milk is made like it didn't bother me but it's that scene is emblematic of the movie for me like every scene in the last jedi has at least one thing being milked I think, like, the part that bummed me out the most, and this is a totally random, isolated incident, is when BB-8 controls an Imperial AT-AT, and is, like, firing uh, it. And it's, like, it, it takes, like, ten seconds of screen time, and I'm like, that's dumb. That's corny. That's just to sell toys. However, I love the Porgs. So, it's, like, no one's going to be the best. So, that's a, that's a good things. that's a good example of, of my thoughts, just real quick, Paul, okay. was... When that first happened, I was like, great, cool. And then after thinking about it for like five seconds later, I was like, wait, this is stupid. Right. Like <laughs> like a lot of the stuff they did in this movie, I was like, great, cool. Wait, no, this is stupid. Like, like I don't know. Like, like at first blush, just immediate just gut reaction right away. I was like, for the most part, I was like, okay, cool. But then as soon as I started thinking about the movie, I was like, this doesn't right. – like this was a what, bad – What decision. stuff pissed you off the most? The Leia, the Leia scene I think was is, is awful. That made me so, annoyed too. But And it wasn't because she was using her force powers. It was that – it was the first time we get to see her using her force powers and it was so lame. Mm. And also because it directly contradicts the real life event. We know she's fucking dead. Mm. So it's like – you had so many opportunities, and I think this is this is a part where he really missed the, the boat. Is that like he he's trying to buck expectations at every turn, right. and sometimes I found it satisfying. And this is one of those times. It's like just let her fucking die, rewrite the like, movie. She's I'm, not that critical. I'm okay with her not dying. Like I'm totally like okay with the idea that they, that she is going to be written out in the scrawl in the in the text crawl in the beginning, um, but in of the next movie, but. I don't like that. I think I, that's annoying. Yeah, I mean, I I understand why, but but taking into into account you know real world things like I'm depending on how they do it, I could I could be okay with it. I'm but, still mad. Joker's not in Dark Knight three. Fuck that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I I just didn't like the the way that scene was shot. The, just everything about it, like it looked goofy. <laughs> it looked yeah. so goofy. I I agree with that a hundred percent. Like I get I get why people liked it. That it was like this this like 
to some people, I guess, beautiful Did scene with like Carrie it? Fisher. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen yeah. some people online that, that, that really yeah, enjoyed some it. People, um, Paul, Paul, what was your take on that scene? So I saw that scene and um, I was like, man, I feel like she just should have died there. I realized like when he wrote it. See, Paul is smart. Right. Um, <laughs> He's a lawyer. And, uh, and it, it yeah. was kind of weird because I'm a you've never seen Leia use anything on the Force um, ever in the movies, right? I mean, she's kind of like force sensitive. She can, she, she yeah, she can feel right. things that and, Luke is doing. She's like preternatural, but not really magical. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the, I don't know. I just it felt just, like she it, should have died there and it would have made more sense. Um, but it didn't, yeah, it, it didn't feel like I the force to me. It felt like magic. Like it, like, and I, I know the force is like, lets them do magical things, but it felt like ignoring like, the way space works. Okay, this is this is why I, I hate that part is because it feels like it is a load bearing problem that a bunch of other problems get stacked up right. to fix, and it's like that. It's like okay, so Leia's still alive, so there's no problem there. But no, she's in a coma. Okay, so she's magic, but she just can't avoid comas. Great, got it. So now here's Laura Dern. Why, why is Laura Dern in this movie? What she has purple hair. She doesn't even look very Star Wars. That's the chick from Jurassic Park. Okay, why is she? She's in this to be to right. l- not listen to to give the male leads something to do. Right. Yeah, at every at every turn, and it's like okay, so Finn and Poe. I mean, this is mostly JJ's fault, right? Though, you have to admit because you give Ray this really interesting last moment of the last movie, and Finn and Finn had. Uh, was in a coma. Yeah, Finn had nothing to movie. do in this and movie. Like Poe had nothing to do right. in the last movie. He's barely a main character. So when you come into this movie, it's like, what's his arc? I don't. It's like I don't know who he fucking right. is. The only thing I know about him is people like to ship him with Finn on Tumblr. That's that's all I know well, about this motherfucking character. And I thought his arc was fine, like what they did with him. But like Laura Dern's character, it was, really it was just like, like oh, actually, she does have a good plan that no, she'd bother to tell no one, and then. Because she didn't tell anyone her actually fairly solid plan, like it screwed it up. Like, come it, on, yeah. How, like, how, like, how did they not have a droid do that? Oh, like, like let alone, fly the ship. Forget autopilot. Why send a human to die when you have droids? Like that. That part didn't necessarily bother me. The part that bothered me was that her plan would have worked completely fine. It it is working completely fine until Benicio del Toro tells them what the plan is if if she would have just told poe the plan they never would have needed benicio del toro he wouldn't have been there to betray them to tell them the plan which ended up getting a lot of people killed wait i you lost me i don't understand that what did benicio have to do with that because he's the one when 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 they get captured by the first order when they're just about to uh who's they uh uh, finn and asian uh, chick finn yeah finn Finn and and rose Rose and 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 the the hacker when they get captured he turns on them and tells the first order what the plan was and and then oh, that's right, when they right, notice right. the ships are going away. Like, right. it just it doesn't make any sense. Oh, gotcha. Like, and I get that they're trying to make po, like Poe his arc is that like in the beginning he's like a big risk taker and he puts people's lives on the line to get these things done and Leia doesn't like that. And then as the movie goes on, he's he by the end of it he's the opposite a little bit. And it was and, such and a scene, Saturday like, morning cartoon lesson though. Yeah. I think that's what I hated the most about it, is that like 
You take this character who has no relationship with anyone in this movie. You take the one character he's supposed to have a relationship with, put her in a coma. Then you introduce a new character who is lying the entire time so he can't have a relationship with her. Even if Poe learned a valuable lesson, he still has no fucking relationship with anybody except BB-8 who can't fucking talk. Mm. And like, it's... And it's also annoying that it's like the best relationship of the previous movie, uh, Finn and Ray, is not right. in this movie. Right. And, and it's like I don't really see them as a couple. No. Do you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not. It's it's not like Paul suggested. It's some weird interracial thing that I have. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no one has ever suggested that. I'm sorry. Stupid. But no, I think it's just they just feel like so, I don't know. Yeah, and cousins. I had trouble with. <laughs> the whole quest or story thread to the casino planet and all of that. Mm. Like I know, I understand why it's there. You've made Finn a main character. You need to give him stuff to do. He needs screen time. And I, I understand that part of that's an in, inherited problem from the force of awakens, but like that to me, that, that could, that whole thing either could have been completely cut off, cut out and maybe a stronger script would have resulted or at least cut down because at some point they're writing the, horse-like things. I was like, okay, this is kind of a fun scene. It's Star Wars, but let's get to what really matters. And I, th- I think the main problem with that scene is that you could say Finn and Rose go to fill-in-the-blank exotic planet. They, they tussle with fill-in-the-blank exotic villain, and they eventually come across, you know, you know that planet felt like, character. so George Lucas said, like, he always tried to have three planets in his movies with, like, three distinct environs, right. and that, that planet felt, like, that whole thing felt there, like, it was kind of trying to hit, like, his third planet for that. I, it felt like a good uh, template for a Final Fantasy movie. I'm like, look, there's Chocobo right. racing. <laughs> this is great. I love Midgar. But, like, it didn't, it didn't, I mean, it was I didn't dislike it, right. but it, it so, felt like, I liked those creatures and the floppy ears and the big thing, but I was just like, it's sort of, it's, it's so, nothing. So, uh, I want to talk about, like, some of the things I really liked in the movie. And, yeah, I, I do um, too, because there's some stuff the I moment just fucking loved. Where just as the moment where the, um, Laura Dern's character goes through, um, uh, light speed and destroys the ship. Oh yeah, it was fucking yeah. Great. And the silence—it mean, was stupid that it happened because it made no sense. Right. right. But like, yeah, the silence the, and no one the, can hear yeah, the scream. The, the, the scene moment, was like, really cool. Oh, fuck. But it did I mean, immediately but, make me think, why did they just do this? Right. Earlier? Right. 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 That might have been effective against like the Death Star. But right. The best. The best thing in the world about that uh, is that they take a character who's so unlikable the entire movie and they make her totally badass right. and it's a strong female character. However. That same, I feel like because her character sucked so much, you could have done that move with literally with, any. You could have had Admiral Akbar. Could have Leia. People yeah. would have lost their minds. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, you could Akbar, have had literally any. Akbar got the short shaft, right? He was just there yeah, in the he, died, died. he didn't even street. get to say it was a trap. Um, <laughs> um, so one of the things you f- I noticed, and I, I the I thought the acting by um, especially Daisy Ridley. Um, Adam Driver and Mark Hamill was more than I was expecting. Fantastic. From um, and the treatment of Luke, were I'm great. sure we'll talk about here later on. But, um, you know, Mark Hamill was not necessarily... And I love Luke Skywalker, so this is... it. You know, not necessarily lights out in the original trilogy, but has kind of re- rejuvenated his career as a voice actor. And, I oh, mean, yeah. his... He's by Joker. Right, and his... Is, I think his performance in this was more than anyone was expecting. And He's fantastic, and I feel like he'll probably at least get a golden globe nod for right. it 
if nothing else. But uh, I I loved uh, with regard to Ray and Kylo. I loved their um, their weird connection. Mm. That they their scenes were the best part of, right. part of the movie for me. I, I loved that. I loved Yoda. I loved that scene so much. Yeah. Just I don't know why. I think it's because. Personally, I've hated Yoda ever since he does that attack sequence in Attack of the Clones that made me want to kill myself. And so to see him as an old puppet again, I was like, yay, this makes me happy. And I just love the fact that, like, even in his old age, Luke is still being treated like a child by yeah. his fucking I, green I, I, I liked Yoda there. I, I still would have liked to see... Um, Obi-Wan? Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi there. Like, I, like, I don't know how you do that. I mean, just get Ewan McGregor to do it. Like, people know it's fine. Like. Yep. Yeah, but they don't have that relationship. It wouldn't be satisfying to have you and McGregor. Yeah, like I mean, I get it. Wise like, to an old you know, man. Yeah, uh, I love the porgs. I unapologetically so, love the porgs. I uh, love that, the that scene, scene with Chewie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. That, I was, that was very funny. Charming. So yeah, there's that really interesting article. Apparently, there were so many birds on that island. Like they, they couldn't even CGI <laughs> right, them out. So these puffins, mm. and they're like, <laughs> it's actually cheaper to make them into like an indigenous species. And <laughs> yeah, right. Like I really like that. That's those, funny. Um, that is funny. That's clever. Yeah. I love the sequence in the opening battle, Rose's sister, mm-hmm. where she's like fighting. She's like her last ditch effort is to like bomb this oh, thing. Oh, that sequence yeah. really bothered me. That's a very like, that was a very sister, cool like thing we haven't seen in Star Wars before, like all the bombs her, and everything. Yeah. yeah, it felt like this thing out of Battlestar or the yeah. Expanse so, or some shit. It was like, whoa, this is good here, sci-fi here's my, right here. Here's my deal, and it's Star Wars, and I love it, and it, the, all this ridiculous, all this World War II imagery that George Lucas incorporated in his space battles like makes yeah. it work but so those whole bombers right they're dropping bombs from above they're in space there's no gravity like why yeah. <laughs> quiet like, they open I, the, I, like the only way you could explain that away is like they have shields which caused which maybe caused gra- I don't know no, like, but, like, like that's a good point how, I was however, thinking that as like I will say this they uh they're they can be used off planet and on planet so maybe they have some sort of propulsion to send yeah, them out of right. the ship when they're dropping them. No, you can explain you know, it away. And I was just like, and and I got past it. I just remember watching that scene and being like, why would the bombers be designed like that? Because, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense in space. But they are, they do use bombers like that in the Star Wars movies. Maybe, I mean, this just all just comes down to, like, I guess we don't know, but Star Wars space is clearly different from our space. Because, like, <laughs> also when Leia comes and knocks on the door to be let back in the ship, like, no one gets sucked yeah. out into the, yeah. into the space. Yeah, that yeah, Which does, also doesn't make any sense. No, the Force was it's full there. full of the it's Force. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, right. I, I think I Kylo, I, I Kylo liked all the did the red best. salt. Yeah, yeah, that that part was cool too on that planet. That, the that was red very salt. visually striking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What were you saying about Kylo? I think he's the best part of this movie. Yeah, and like yeah, I, I think Kylo so is, is. I mean, my takeaway from the first oh is, shit, we didn't talk about Snoke, no, did we? Because that whole scene is like very problematic for yeah. a lot of people. This guy at work was like, "You fucking." They fucking killed Snoke, and Snoke was this important character, and he like told me the whole backstory of Snoke from the expanded universe, and I'm like, that wasn't in any fucking movie right. I saw. And he's like, yeah, but they set it all up, and I was like, but I no. didn't see it. And he's like, I mean, Snoke so, had to die. Well, I like think. Laura Dern's characters in the books too, I think, or in one of the expanded universe things. I this is my honest take. I I don't mind expanded universe stuff. I read some of it when I was a kid. But if it's not in the movies, it didn't fucking happen. Right. Stop pretending it happened. I guarantee you Ryan Johnson did not read that book. And if you said, well, J.J. would have. No, he fucking would have. These are Hollywood No, they, they have, have like, Disney books. has people on staff to, like, check these books and make sure that they fit with everything. You know, like, that's the way yeah, they do it. Yeah, but if like, you're the making a movie. Directors aren't there reading right. all that stuff. 
No, and, and they probably are looking at these pages of summaries of 400-page novels and being like, look, I'll take some of this and take some of that. Right. But, like, it's too much of a burden to try to do that. And also, these movies are supposed to be for a new generation, not a reward to people who have been reading all right. this shit for Well, that's forever. why, I mean, they killed, the, they killed the expanded universe, and this is all a yeah, whole new one. right. But I thought it was... I mean, I think some people were hoping for more from Snoke. I thought Snoke was the, one of the lamest characters uh, in Force Awakens, just because I thought it was. Just I did. He's not. Emperor. I mean, I mean, I didn't. I didn't look at him really as a character in Force Awakens. I looked at him as the potential to be a really interesting character. I just. Like, I don't see how I, they. I have didn't find anything interesting. Screen about time for Snoke to make have made him compelling with like I. One of the things I was like, there's so many characters and there's so much juggling here. And it's clear that Kylo Ren's going to be the central figure. Um, that's what I kind of liked about right. the end thing of like, it's like, oh, so now, and I feel like that's what Ryan Johnson was going for. I think I read in an interview is like, it doesn't matter that there's this big evil who's like going to be the emperor and is the force of all evil and evil incarnate. It's more interesting if like the, and I, I, I agree. I think it's interesting that Hux and Kylo are in charge of the entire new order. Now. Right. Yeah. Like, like two I guys find that who generally so, do not fucking so like each General other. General Hux, like, what do you guys think of when he's about to kill him? Well, yeah, oh, that, that was, was good. But like, I remember early on, um, like when when Poe Dameron um, actually bombs the dreadnought, and I'm like, I'm thinking like General Hux. I was like, it's does he realize he's not in Spaceballs? Like his character is so, like, <laughs> that's how I thought about him in Force right. Awakens. He just seems like such a stereotype Imperial, but at the same time, he doesn't. No, perfectly. and they yeah. gave him. He's like, I mean, they actually his character kind of had more at the end i thought but yeah, yeah there were yeah. a few times gave him more to like, do. this is straight from space balls like <laughs> he's kind of like um i forget the actor's name but the guy who plays like, domino british... gleason gleason yeah yeah that's his name that's the guy that plays uh huh? yeah no that's that's In that's, what? that's, what are you that's talking no, no, about? no we're talking about star wars still that's the guy that plays oh, right. uh Hux. yeah oh I, I, I was thinking of uh, the, the bad guy in Pirates of the Caribbean, like the British guy with like the foppish hat oh. and stuff like that. He's like that character. He's like a trope character that you need. Jeffrey sometimes, Rush? even if they're... Uh, no, no, no. Not, uh, not in the first one. Okay. Like, yeah, in the first one, he's like the guy who wants oh. to like, marry Elizabeth. Oh, he's like yeah, the British yeah. Commodore he, Norrington? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. He's like that trope character. It's like, I'm mm. this pompous son of a bitch, and <laughs> I will be... You know, it's just yeah, like, that's right. his dude. And he's he's nailing it, but it's a little cartoonish. But so is Star Wars, you know? Sure. Um, I, I didn't like that Kylo I, broke his helmet, or his his, his mask. Oh, I, like oh, that, I, I like that mask. I, like, it's cool that he broke it, I oh. guess, but I just I like I like him wearing the mask. I, I was I was like... I mean, it. I know he probably couldn't get away with it, but I feel like Ray should have like gone with Kylo. I think that's a more interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I I was very interested in the fact of like, are they going to switch sides? What's happening here? Like, because like that would have been really different. And that would have been potentially cool. Like, because like you know, I just thought it would have been cool if it was like a real romance within Star Wars. I mean, that's that's like, the way I was. That's the way I was. Shit, I was looking at it. Fuck. Like, in the dark side. <laughs> this is going to be like Twilight and Star Wars. You just made the most profitable movie of all time. Sure. And like, but that, you know, we don't get that because Rey is too pure. I, I was, a ray of hope. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. And then I was like, well, what if they make Kylo good in the second movie? Like, that's potentially interesting because at least it's not just, oh, the third movie's here. We got to turn the bad guy good. But like, also, as soon as Snoke died, I was like, that's what I, that was my first thought. And then I was like, wait, Sith, their whole code younger ones kill the masters that's that's what all that happened kylo's still bad like you know whatever um i uh i think it's interesting though that it's like okay so hux is definitely gonna be still 
obsessed with just eradicating the remaining rebels, but like Kylo has no dog in the fight anymore besides Rey. I, he really. seems like he wants to destroy everybody though. Like he's just like let's yeah. just blow it all up and start over. I just like that like before it seemed like the Empire controlled in the old movies it seemed like the Empire controlled the galaxy, mm-hmm. you know, and the rebels were like this contingent that were out there on the outer rim or whatever. And there, of course, places like Tatooine where just nobody ever went. So you didn't get, like, full government enforcement. But in this movie, it feels like both the New Order and... uh, What's the rebels in this one called? Uh, I think they're the New Republic still. New Republic, yeah. On both sides, they feel like small contingents Mm -hmm. of, like, remaining forces fighting a mostly pointless battle. It seems like no one's been able to, like... I I, I don't know. So I, I, I... I watched a video of of, of uh, I think it was I think it was Angry Joe talking about uh, the Last Jedi because he got like the books and read them and stuff or not the books but like the, the the companion pieces to the movies or whatever and apparently there's like so much stuff that explains away a lot of the problems in those books like again but uh, but again back to Shore's point like that's not in the movie right so like it, it just right. it talks about like how the First Order's bigger than the than the the rebels because like the rebels left the New Republic or didn't leave them but like they're off. And I and I rewatched Force Awakens and, and it, it it mentions it in Force Awakens that like the First Order or the the New Republic sanctions the Leia's rebels but like covertly like they're not like supporting them outwardly you know um, yo do you th- okay true or false Captain Phasma is dead oh I I don't know I think she's dead false she died off screen I I I think she yeah. fell into a pit off screen. I don't, I don't she's, think she's she's, dead. she's like Bucky and well, Captain is Emperor America, Palpatine going to come back too? Well. Because he kind of died in a pit off screen. No, but that's the end of the third movie. But, but also, like he goes into <laughs> he the definitely thing and come blows back up and, and brings like right. I don't know. Like if they bring Phasma back again though, and don't give her a better like more badass, she needs to take thing. the helmet off. Yeah, and just right. fucking and put like, on just a strap on and rape Finn. Well, I think it should be this feminist moment where she pegs him from behind and he's screaming and then Ray has to stop him and then she and Ray start making out and then Arya is there watching. Wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> sure, is that your fanfic manuscript time. you've been working on? <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I'll send it to the blacklist then you'll see. <laughs> oh, so, um, what do you, how do you guys so feel she, about... If, if they bring her back and they kill her, I'm fucking done. Yeah. Like, if, if she's lame again and she dies, I'm like, that's so stupid. So, how do you feel about two things about Luke? Like, his portrayal early on in the movie and love the it. end because Trav, you didn't love like it. Luke being. <laughs> I, I like I like parts of Luke's character. I feel like the I was initially kind of thinking it was cool that he tried to he thought about killing Kylo because he seemed really dark. I but I also I totally get why people are upset by it because it doesn't necessarily fit right. some of his stuff that in the like he didn't give up on his dad who was literally the worst guy like like the second it worst guy seem in the, weird in the galaxy that, like luke has just given up on kylo um especially yeah. in like Yo- there's that scene where yoda's like oh kylo's lost and luke's like yeah and i was like you you had that conversation about darth vader except luke was right so that did seem i don't i don't think it's but, weird i don't think it's weird at all i think the uh but i think what's what's hard about it is is the uh is, is taking your hero and saying your hero is flawed right. mm. and saying that the guy we see at the end of Jedi isn't this perfect man as he's portrayed to be. He's still the dude who had to go into the cave. Right. right and yeah, on, on, uh, on Dagobah. Like the, the fact that, that he's, he's, it's not that he's going to do it. Luke Skywalker would never kill Kylo Ren. Right. Um, I, I don't think he ever would under any circumstances. I think he'd cut his hand off. 
Uh, but I don't think you'd kill him. And I think what we're seeing is Luke still has the dark side within right. him. And Even as a teacher, he still battles and, with And it. to me, it really actually, the more I thought about it, it made narrative sense. Because to me, it doesn't work in The Force Awakens just to have Luke hiding out. Like, that seems inconsistent with how he would react. Yeah, it makes sense that he's guilty. Like, he's, like that he's, makes more sense than just, he's like, gotta oh, have I that. He's got to have a good reason. I mean, there's got to be a compelling oh, story yeah. reason. So... You know, the more I thought about it, um, but yeah, I mean, that was super hard for me to watch. I mean, you know, grew up, growing up, you see Star Wars when you're four. How, like, how crazy is it, though, that this movie has a Rashomon element of it, where it's like, you see it from both sides. Yeah, you're I like, like that. Right. For a moment, I hesitated. Right. Um, but then in and, Kylo's and vision, is, he's just about to, like... Yeah, he wakes up and he sees his mentor you know what over I was, his head with the lightsaber. What I was thinking about that I couldn't remember, what color is Kylo's lightsaber when he stops Luke? Because like They're I remember really it being green, red, right? but like I guess that would make sense. Yeah, I but, don't remember, but I I thought it was interesting no, he that had, he saw he had something the blue from a saber, non. Right? He had Darth Vader's, you know, Anakin's blue lightsaber. I guess that would make sense. Yeah, it just it, it, it's I, red in my head because like right. he always has a red lightsaber. But right. anyway, I I think it's weird that we just see something from a different perspective right. in mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie, which we like never do, right? Unless it's a Force vision. There's one narrative right. that happens. In this one, we popped into two people's heads and their backstory, and we saw things differently. Like, that is completely bonkers yeah. for a Star Wars movie. And I yeah, Star really Wars has yeah, always I, been I like that. thematically pretty generic. There's a light side, dark side. You root for the rebels against the evil empire with Nazi imagery, right? Unless it's Darth Maul. Right. Yeah. It's, not, it's not super groundbreaking in terms of any of its, like... Uh, ideology right. stuff it's the hero's journey however it's because it builds together fantasy and sci-fi in a way that it totally makes no. sense for whatever no, reason and I, th- I thought this movie was a little more nuanced and approaching the uh, just everything on that the, the, this felt more like a right. movie to me than the last one did the last one felt like member berries it did it felt like there's a lot of things i don't I could watch this one a bunch more times, and I feel like I would still get sick of the same parts of Force Awakens that I always do. Um, and but but I also know that I'm not the average film goer in terms of what I like, and I also know that I'm probably right. a minority opinion. In, in, in you know, so don't get too. And I thought the Force Awakens. I mean, watching it, I was just like, well, it's like a New Hope and uh, Return of the Jedi, like combined into one movie, basically, and with the last Jedi, I thought it harkened back to the empire strikes back, but was not afraid to do its own thing. And, um, structurally it's pretty much right. the same, only it might be in mirror mode because, right. you know, uh, but there's, there's a lot of similarities. I um, I, I, visually, I thought this movie was beautiful. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, if we can just talk special effects and we can talk the way how, it's how cool is that beautiful. opening space battle? Like, yeah, I was so happy that a Star Wars movie started with a right. space battle. I was like, fucking right. finally. Hmm. I mean, they did it in like uh, episode three, I think, but that doesn't count. Uh, I, I, I wish Luke had gone to... Uh, what's the name of that planet with the salt? Uh, I don't know. I, it's always this... Oh, instead of force projecting? Yeah, like I wish he would have I wish he would have just gone. Because he like... He, he dies anyway. Right. You know, like, I guess... Or yeah. he becomes one with the force, whatever you want to call it. He's gone. Right. Um... So like I feel like it would have been more of a like, like 
what they talk about, like the spark for the rebellion. Like I felt like it would have been a bigger deal if he would have gone and stood there and like. I agree with that. I don't think that the reveal of the force powers. I thought both new force powers they showed us in this movie, the Leia space thing and the astral projection thing. It's like it's good that you want to invent new force powers. I think we're ready for that. Mm. But both of these kind of. Did suck. you guys notice? Yeah, um, like it, it shows that Luke is powerful, but like. That's kind of it. Like, like, if he would have actually gone yeah. and, like, even if he would have died the, when Kylo's, like, shoot him with everything, that would have been a badass way for him to die. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and if he would have found a way out of it, like, okay. And, but, like, as soon as they started doing, like, the, like, Matrix, like, him sliding under Kylo's blade and stuff, I was like, oh, I don't, like, like this. And then when it, it's not him, I'm like, okay. I don't, I don't mind that it's a force projection, but I do think it would have been better if he was there. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't cripple the movie or anything. It just, I would have preferred it. Speaking of new force powers, did you guys notice, like, when Snoke uses force lightning? So, in the original trilogy, like, people shot force lightning from the hands. Like, in this movie, you have Yoda calling it down from the sky to burn down the original Jedi Temple, yeah, which awesome. was super awesome. Yoda's which means that the confirmed. light side can do yeah. force lightning, sort of. They have to call from nature. No, but did you guys crazy. notice when Snoke does it, it also comes from the ceiling in the shot? Oh, I didn't realize When did that. he call down lightning? Um, he zaps Ray at some Yeah, point. there's oh, okay. there's that somebody runs at him and he zaps them right in front of him. I can't exactly remember but that that that, that fight scene in, in, oh, in snoke's room so was, was really good like like I as much it. as i i, I red guards. i'm okay with them killing snoke i just wanted him to get more backstory before they killed him um but the I way wanted him to get somehow less the way the way he the way he died him. was cool like just just Cutting just as a as birds. a movie just watching it was cool like thinking about it i have some reserve some like problems with it but like that fight scene of of ray and kylo being together was cool um as soon as as soon as like Ray and Kylo realize they're not on the same the same uh, wavelength as far as like let's yeah. just be the light side. I was like Ray should have just fucking stabbed him in the back when she had the chance, yeah. but you know whatever. So I think the the biggest problem is that with regard to like the next movie is that since we're going back to JJ, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like um, this next movie should be a Ryan Johnson right. movie, even if you didn't like this movie. Is it's because. These are two directors who are going to throw out everything yeah. the other one did, I probably. Just, and I just feel like Ryan Johnson was like sowing seeds, right? And JJ, I mean, he's he's good. He'll be good for a final movie of a trilogy because all he knows is how to pluck seeds out of the ground, um, and like show us beautiful flowers. But like he doesn't know how to plant seeds for the future. That's why his Star Trek trilogy sort of fell apart. Um, right. I just I, I wish I, I kind of wish that and sure you'll know more about like directors and stuff like that for me but I, I, I kind of wish that they had just picked one I know that JJ wasn't originally going to do episode 9 but I, but like especially now looking at him doing 7 and 9 they should have just had him do all 3 just just I so there's a just so there's a coherent vision disagree. and like there's not because like Ryan Johnson not that he's being malicious or anything he totally killed like plot lines in this movie you know like not that yeah, he intentionally he, he like closed did. holes that, or you know or not holes but he, he like he closed lines that, he closed doors right? yeah no basically. but I, I I honestly like some of the doors need to be closed like I again sure. I mean this movie was two and a half hours and you know I felt like a lot of the characters didn't really get enough screen time to be developed and like the which right. is crazy because it did not feel that right. long to be honest right so we could have spent another hour on that planet with Ray and Luke, and I'm like, yeah, yeah let's hang out. You know, oh, like, also, like where it. did those caretakers come from on that island? Like, they're not there. That I, I love I, that. It reminded me oh, of. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. 
I mean, one, it's like, okay, we're on a whole planet. There can't be other characters and they're just the porks. Fine. Whatever. But those, but I feel like the, the caretakers and the, the diamond foxes are like, that's, that's us getting to know Ryan Johnson. He's like, I invented something just so it can serve one purpose. Right. That's it. Um, so, so I asked you guys this before about the Kylo, the Ray's parents. Right. Thing, mm. Right. Um, so do you, do you think he's telling the truth? Uh, it's it's real hard to say at this point just because like it's all up to JJ if he was telling the truth like <laughs> if, if Ryan Johnson was directing episode 9 then yes he's telling the truth but because it's JJ I don't know like if Ryan Johnson's directing the next one I don't think he's telling the truth because I don't think I think he's making fun of his audience members which it's from based on everything I know about Ryan Johnson uh that seems correct he hmm. does not he he thinks people are dumb and he's he's I feel like he's playing with this. Um, I don't know. I feel like thematically I, with what Ryan Johnson was trying to do, it makes sense for Ray's parents to be. Yeah, it, it at least fits and in this movie. I, yeah. I think you're right to question Kylo Ren's motivations. But when he said that, I I, I my read on that scene, and I, we're way into the tea leaves. And you're absolutely right. Like J.J. Abrams could be like, no, Ray's pa- parents are important. What are you talking about? But that Ray really deep down knew that maybe not who her parents were but that they basically left her and i thought that that was the grain of truth there that she hadn't been like hidden away on the planet or something which is you know okay but when she's in the vision tunnel mm-hmm. thing and doesn't see anyone specific besides mm-hmm. herself and herself is just reflecting i thought it meant she was a clone and i thought it oh. meant that she was going to be a clone of either vader and that was going to cause a conflict with Kylo because she is now the true successor to Darth Vader. Mm. And that would give her a conflict internally because then she would, you know, uh, not, you know, it's not like, another clone. That's very I, interesting. I, I would find that very interesting. That would be interesting. Of course you would. I just wrote it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the key to it all, I don't, think ryan johnson added that scene in the cave for nothing i think he has an idea but i think it's ambiguous enough that he's like well i'm not doing the next one so you can here's some ideas jj you can go either way with it you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. he's kind of he's he's a weird guy um right Um, so do we have any i mean i think obviously there's a lot to talk about this movie and we could further make this a ridiculously long podcast but any final thoughts well, why don't, why don't we throw it out to the people at home? If you've got thoughts and stuff we didn't cover, uh, write into us at Star Wars at theentitledgamer.com. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll answer your questions. And I'd love to hear what you guys think and different takes on different events. Any thoughts at all, I'd love to read them. Uh, we'll maybe throw them on the air. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Trav, if you had anything else. No, no. You to throw no, not at all. You know. Uh, Paul, do you have anything else? Um, you wanna... Hey. We're looking for a new year, and uh, let's all stay entitled. Yeah. Stay entitled. All right, guys. Um, Thank you for listening to our anniversary episode. We hope you stick around for many more. Um, Yeah, have a great one. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to The Entitled Gamer. The Entitled Gamer is hosted by Matt Shore and Travis O'Brien, a.k.a. Big Trav. The Entitled Gamer is edited by Matt Shore. Theme song by Braxton Boring. To get the latest episodes instantly downloaded to your device, subscribe to The Entitled Gamer on iTunes. 
You can also stream and download episodes from our website, theentitledgamer.com. Follow us on Twitter at EntitledGamer69. Or like our Facebook page, you guessed it, The Entitled Gamer. You can also follow Matt on Twitter at Shorster and Trav on Twitter at T.O.Brien90. Got a question, comment, or concern for The Entitled Gamer? Your question could be asked and answered during the show. Simply send an email to question at theentitledgamer.com or contact us on Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and have an entitled day.